boomers, welcome to Sonic the Comic, the podcast, the show that takes you back to the 90s when Sega ruled the roost via the lens of the fortnightly publication, Sonic the Comic. But what would you put into issue 101? Why not ask? <laughs> the humes who think they're in charge. I'm Dave Bulmer. My name is Chris McFeely. Yes, issue number 101, the new century of Sonic. Cover dated April 15th, but released on April the 2nd. 101. Comics. Dalmatians. Nothing else. At what point are we going to stop going... I, I, I feel like it's been a solid run of, like, what, half a dozen issues now? Possibly yeah. up to ten issues, where we've just gone, issue number yeah. blank I know. at the start of every episode. At what point is that I, does it, stop? Does it, will it? Because it... It's got to, right? We're in the hundreds now. Yes. Whatever. Anything after this is just gravy. It's just bananas that we've made this many of a thing, is the thing. Yeah. I was just thinking about it this morning. I was out on a walk for a reason that will be shortly revealed. <laughs> and uh, and I was just thinking, that's a lot of episodes of anything. That's damn it! Really, it's really quite something to be proud of, isn't it? It is, but damn it. I've, I may have thought of what you went to do that I didn't do. I reckon so, I reckon so. I reckon damn it's it. emblazoned across the top of the uh, cover. <laughs> yeah, free lolly! Free lolly! Free lolly. <laughs> Show me, Chris. <laughs> I got a little lolly. <laughs> Look at that. It's just a lolly. Just I a just lolly. went to Home Bargains and bought a wee lolly. <laughs> what flavour is it? Cola. Yes, I thought so. It's got to be cola. That's the best flavour of lolly. I agree. Wow, these haven't become any easier to open <laughs> in, the, in the 20 years since remember, I last had a lolly. Yeah. Do you remember when they started bringing in cola flavour things? You were like, yes. Every Always. time I want that. Cola flavor push pops. Cola flavor hubba bubba bubble gum, which I was unsuccessful in procuring any of before they discontinued them. What's the matter there? <laughs> He's doing a big pantomime of it being too big to get out of his mouth again. <laughs> I should have just bought a chupa chups. This is just some weird foreign brand thing I picked up at Home Bargain. Not like our good English chupa chups. <laughs> I just mean it's rather large. Oh, well, that's good. It had that patina that lollies sometimes mm. get where it did just actually stick to my teeth when <laughs> I popped it in there. I could be at this for a while, so look forward to a bit of the old... You know, that was one episode. of... There was a modicum of thought put into my not picking up a lolly. I did want one, but I realised that I would just spend the whole episode talking like that. Because it's me. Genu- this is what it would sound like now if I lodged this in my mind. It's, it's, it's yeah. pre- pre- preposterously <laughs> oversized. <laughs> you, the thing is, you'll be through that quite quickly because you won't just put it in your mouth and leave it there until it's gone. You'll do things to it. Well, I don't know. I I'm much more reluctant in my old age <laughs> to crunch hard boiled sweets and right. things now. What with I the fear teeth? for my fillings too much? Yes, so we'll yes. see. I am older. Yeah. I'm older now than I was in April 1997. Hey, really? And that was when this came out, issue 101, with its free lip lash. It says. Now, that's the thing, right? Yeah. It says lip lash yeah. on the cover, okay. You Google that, uh, yeah. you get wiki articles for this issue. Oh, I didn't get that. I got loads of stuff about makeup. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, ah, discounting yeah. the makeup. You only get that. Yeah. Ah, I see. If lip lash was truly a lolly brand, yes. lost to time. So it's entirely yes. possible it wasn't at all, and this is just no. an, an attempt at some kind of alliterative... Uh, yeah. cover text in which case it means what lip lash like what la- like I don't know what they're going for I don't know what they mean the thing I notice is 
the ingredients of the lolly are written on the side of the cover. Oh. Which says to me it can't have come in dedicated wrapping. <laughs> so it might have just been a totally ordinary little flat round lollipop with simply a clear plastic so. thing over the top of it. I think so. That's easier. It's easier to stick a flat circle lolly than a ball lolly on the front of a comic that's got to be stacked. That doesn't stop the British comics industry. Well, no, but isn't that just because, like, when was the last time you saw a flat circle lolly? Do they still make them? Uh, yeah, I mean, I went looking for one and this is all I could find. Exactly. They used to be the standard. And they were better. And I have nothing to base that on except that they're from my childhood. <laughs> you get more lolly in, in these. Do you? Sure you do. Look, that's just a, that's a simple mass volume equation there, Dave. Yeah, but I would have to play an animation in my head of the ball flattening out, you know? It might be exactly the same, I don't know. Flatten this ball down and become fairly large. Anyway, there's a lolly, and I have a lolly, yeah. and Dave doesn't. I don't have a lolly, but I'll tell you what I do have. <laughs> I have on the back cover the tape that stuck it to the comic. Look at that. Mother of mercy. <laughs> Free fruit lolly. There it is. There it is. It's just yellow oh, tape. Oh, I should have brought a fruit one then instead of this uh, little cola. Uh, yeah, I'm not getting better. the authentic experience, am I? Well, no, you're getting a better one. Oh, yeah, and I should say that the, the bit of tape on the back cover, that that's not because there was any tape on the back cover. I've put it there in 1997 to preserve it. Means of preservation, yes. yes. Sorry, just got distracted by my lolly. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think it must have just been a totally boring, plain old, flat, brandless, two P shaped lolly, and lip lash is not a brand. That's what I'm going to assume. Just a piece of solidified syrup, a piece of a piece of solidified syrup. A piece of solidified syrup. It's my job to do this. I get paid. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> it's another Richard Elson cover. Yeah. When will they end? I don't ever want them to stop. Well, no, quite. Remember the time when it never felt like we'd ever have another one again? God, yeah. But here they all are. So this one is Sonic Elson posing his little heart out. Mm-hmm. One fist forward, one fist back, legs spread wide, grimacing up into the camera as a sort of silhouette or shadow falls across him and across the landscape behind him. Yes. A silhouette of a humanoid figure. But it's all question marks. Yes, covered in question marks and uh, little ballots going down that say vote and use your vote. Oh, no, they're not the actual ballots. They're just posters for voting. Little posters or some such. Use your vote and then an X on it. Uh, Yes, because this cover refers to the content of the Sonic strip. Ballot boxing, it says on the cover. Uh This is a story about voting and choosing and politic and that. And then along the bottom banner it says, plus Sonic 3D Flicky's Island Saturn Review and... A bad Nick pinup. Because what would an issue of STC in 1997 be without one of those? What would it be? A waste of everybody's time. Do you know what's not a waste of everybody's time? What? Back cover. Yeah. <laughs> Just a mad bird. Just a Lego! Here we go. This is a lovely little thing. So this is the Castles line, and it says, Battles, Beasts, Bravery, Build Build it. it. And it says, uh, new, the new Lego system castle range. Now, of course, the Lego castle range been going for donkey's years, but this was a reboot of it. This is a spooky castle. Um, it's called the Night Lord's Castle. It's full of skeletons. There's, what well, I quite like the touch. There seems to be up in a tower. There seems to be a skull in a jar. Or, well, no, a crystal ball, even. The thing about mm-hmm. these castle castles, these castle-themed castles, oh, yeah. is you call it a spooky castle. Is it or 
does it just randomly have a skeleton in it? Yeah. Because that's what these were like. Yeah. They would randomly have a skeleton oh, yeah. or a ghost in them just yeah. because that's kind of what you got in castles, I guess. That's right. We'd already had a big castle in our house and that had a ghost and a skeleton in it. Mm. Because Now, the excuse was that it had a dungeon in it and the ghost was just it was a ghost. I had the little set mm-hmm. that came with a knight, I think a knight on a horse and an ickle crypt and a ghost. Because the ghosts glowed in the dark. They did. The ghosts and the skeletons were good. But this, no, I think this one is trying to be spooky because it's, they've taken a picture, you know, I was going to say, they've taken a picture of it at night. I don't mean that. What I mean is (laughs) they've made it look like it's the night in the picture. There's a moon, there's bats against the moon. And uh, what we have up in the right-hand corner just under the moon is Count Batlord. What a tremendous and also simultaneously rubbish name. Yes! Count Batlord. <laughs> Not yeah. Lord Batcount. You know. <laughs> well, do you know what? I didn't write it down, but he's got an in America he was called like Greg Batlord or something. He had oh, a different name. Of course he it was. wasn't quite wasn't quite <laughs> as good. Now he's riding a black dragon with red wings. That was one of the innovations of this new reboot of the castle system. You you only had green dragons up till now. Now you've got black dragons mm. for bad people to ride on black and red those are the evil dragon colors the evil dragon colors goodies get to ride green maybe maybe sort of a yellowy brown yes now but they've bucked the trend here because over on the left there's a green dragon mm-hmm. suspended from which is a witch and she is a wicked witch i can confirm yes and she's in a sort of a bold thing that she's got it's like if you were flying in a hot air balloon except instead of a balloon is strapped to a dragon her name is hubble bubble yes it says here. Now, this is interesting. There's a, a to a certain definition of interesting. Um, to our audience. <laughs> welcome to Sonic the Comic the Podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Count Batlord there, he's the good guy. No. What? And he is fighting against Hubble Bubble, who's the bad guy. But in America, they're both the bad guy, and he is her loyal servant. And she's called Willa the Witch, so you can't have everything. Oh, come on. Yeah, uh, yeah. And he's basically her Batlord. He's the keeper of her bats. In the UK... I'm Count Batlord Bat- yeah. was the goodie. This is the impression I got by reading about it. Now, now I was reading an American wiki, so they could be wrong, but I think so, yes. Well, well, I did think, looking at the range shown here, which I assume is the entire range, because it's six different sets uh-huh. shown across the bottom, it is just Count Batlord and Hubble Bubble and associated things. There is nothing that is obviously a goodie, so I guess that's the case. I think that's the case, but the reason being is that this is like... They haven't discontinued all the other stuff. I think this is a faction that now goes with your castles to expand them. Because they're always doing that. They're always expanding them. One of my favourites was when, just randomly, the castle range when, you know, in the 80s, when we were quite young, they Mm. just went, oh, I know, what if we put some Robin Hoods in this? And then you could get Robin Hood sets. And I had a really good one that was like a tree base. That rings a bell. They were called the Forest Men, but you knew they were Robin hoods and you and they had a tree and this tree opened up and it had rooms in it well you know it was the 80s it was a long time ago robin hood hadn't passed out a copyright yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's how long ago the 80s were right yeah. that's right yeah <laughs> so anyway yeah lego and that there you are it's nice it's it's castles castles lego castles are quite good count batlord and dragon batlord's prison mm-hmm. hubble bubbles ballista oh. hubble bubbles dragon air and the, the evil, evil mountain. mountain. These are positively quaint, aren't they? I know. Just by the standards of Lego today, these are so quaint. Yeah, now you get violence party and... <laughs> well, I'm sure they still make castles and stuff. They would just be 
three times the size and five times the price. Yeah, and and actually quite cool. And for some reason, they'd have animes in them. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking? Do you about? remember when Lego brought out like Lego anime, and it was these guys who had who like all had different coloured hair that were all big? No. <laughs> Lego anime. I don't know what it was called. You listeners will, because they're fractionally younger than us. Was it actually anime, or was it just that you're talking about some characters had differently coloured hair pieces? Well, that is the question. My recollection is that it was deliberately an attempt to look like, to you know, to, oh, sure. to hop on the sure. anime. Big spiky coloured hair, sure, I can get, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. You can't, just, you can't just say, do you remember Lego anime, like that was actually a real thing. Yeah, you can. <laughs> well, clearly you just did. Yeah. Uh, hang on, I'm looking now. We've just looked it up. It's called Exoforce. And yeah, it was pretty anime. It was heckin' anime, <laughs> genuinely. Um, anyway, yeah. Not like when your mum calls something <laughs> a, a Nintendo or being on the computer or whatever. I thought you were going to say anime. It's genuinely anime. Yes. Anyway, but this isn't. This is a castle... It looks alright. I do object to Hubble Bubble's ballista. I think that's what that's what there's always one, right? In any set of Lego, there's always one where if you got it, you'd be like, oh. If someone got you that one, oh. and it's usually the one where, you know, if what you could have is a, a great big vehicle, you get a little man in a helicopter, that sort of thing. The Hubble Bubble's ballista. It's the only one without a dragon. It's no dragon. It's literally just two blokes, not none of the characters, just two standard knights. They've got a horse drawn. Ballista, it's just a little catapult. But, but, boring? Boring? Sorry if you got that. It's just blokes, isn't it? Just blokes. Blokes and a rock. <laughs> Control zone. Hey, Boomer, says Megadroid, I never thought I'd have anything in common with Bad Egg Dr. Robotnik, but due to chocolate overload over the Easter holiday, uh. I'm also feeling temporarily out of action. Easter doesn't half creep up on you, does it? Oh, God, I know. I've absolutely no idea if Easter will have actually happened by the time this issue comes out or not. And I will have absolutely no idea if it's about to happen until it happens. Because obviously it moves. And I'm not, I mean, I could look it up, but I'm not gonna. No! No, How are you supposed to? I think culturally we have changed enough that it's time to come up with a date for Easter. (laughs) (laughs) I think that. Like, what? Who do you you know who can keep track of it? I have to ask my mum, who's involved with the church. No one knows when Easter is! It used to be that you waited until the Easter eggs were showing up in the shops, yeah. and then you knew it was coming. Yeah. But the Easter eggs get put out on the shops on Boxing Day now, so who knows? I guess what you can do is look on a Google Calendar and it'll be put on Well, there. yeah, but you can do anything with a computer. <laughs> I'm looking, and I'm not seeing it written in my calendar. Does it not automa- Do they not have the holiday automatically in there? That's what I expected, but I don't see it. Perhaps it's too religious and they chose not to put it in. Maybe. Uh, Easter Sunday it will be on April the 9th. It'll be just around the corner by the time this episode comes out, uh, so I guess I'll have probably realized by that stage that it's easter after having forgotten again shortly after we finish recording this yeah <laughs> speaking of lickings which is to say megadroid felt he has taken, taken a, a licking, licking a phrase that means being bombarded to be defeated to be beaten hmm. to be subdued you see this is what i tried to convince my friends and the other boys around me at school that time i said that uh, rick deserved a good licking but they didn't they wouldn't listen they insisted that i'd been rude and i hadn't well when you say it like that you take a licking hmm. you don't you don't give a deserve licking. a good licking. i'm giving this lollipop a good licking But speaking of lickings, Megadroid's guess is that by now this issue's free eat is firmly lodged in your face. So try saying the following four words out loud. 
Red lolly, yellow lolly. Yes, I think they got that wrong. It's like try saying it four times fast or whatever. You don't just say. Well, also it's red lorry, yellow lorry. Oh, I suppose because it is, yeah. that makes it hard because then you got to try and transpose your L's and your L's. Yes, I suppose. Whereas so. this is all L's. You can go red lolly, yes. yellow lorry, red lolly, yellow lorry, red lolly, yellow lorry, red. Oh, I said a lorry at the end there. I said a lorry. It slipped in. Of course, I can't do it because I don't know my L's from my L's bows. Hey, hey, he's a sharp one. He's fast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh, there's a little tea at the bottom of this tea. I'm not gonna drink that. Also guaranteed to leave you yeah. tongue-tied is this all-new story issue, together with another cracking badnik pin-up featuring Carlton, as if that was his first name. <laughs> Carlton Banks. Yeah. <laughs> it's not unusual. Plus, there's a review on the Sega Saturn launch Sonic 3D Flickies Island, which delves into our heroic hedgehog's mission to free the Flickies. The full-on frenzy continues in a fortnight with a supersonic story. Oh, hello. Plus pin-up. See you then. Yeah. And then, raise your mugs. Uh, we are delivered some bad news Ooh. in the section at the bottom of the page. Oh, this time, I'm actually a little bit... I don't want to say it out loud. It's the passing of an age. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, get a grip, all you boomers, who were intent on winning a Sega Mega Hog Tag. The following news may be hard for you to swallow because you swallow things out of a mug and you get a grip on a mug, the handle of a mug. Because from now on, there's a new Speedlines prize. But don't be too disappointed. There is now a hot-ish. <laughs> a hot-ish. Hot-ish. <laughs> Sonic 2 Crucial Cup. Up for grabs to those boomers who get their letters and artwork published in the UK's only official Sega comic. So you know what's going on here is... This is the same situation as when they offered those patches. Yeah. Which I believe were the exact same design, right? The patches. Yes, I think you're right. Yeah. It's it's a five-year-old mug. Yeah. It's a five-year-old mug, Tiff. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't making retro Sonic 2 mugs in 1997 yet. We make them now, no problem. If you saw this in the shop well, now, you'd be like, yeah. Sonic 2 mugs specifically? I reckon. If I saw this in the shop now, I'd be like, yep, makes sense. That's a retro stamp on a mug. You know, but not in 1997. So it's Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Explicitly 2. It says 2. There's no tails, but it says 2. Sonic's there doing the Ghostbusters 2 fingers out of the logo, as you would expect. Someone has found a box of these yeah. in the warehouse or been shipped them from somewhere that found them in the back of their warehouse. Yeah. I would wager this will not be a prize for very long. Or what if they were a prize at Sega World, which is currently crumbling or something? That'd be interesting, <laughs> wouldn't it? That's not implausible. It'd be weird that Sega World had a bunch of four-year-old mugs. I suppose it would. <laughs> because Sega World only opened last year. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Um, we know what's happening. This is clearance stock, much with the Shredhead and the Shredler's Wonder before them. <laughs> <laughs> Started the new year, you got to get rid of all this stuff. Also, acknowledgement that the hog tags were special and that running out of them is a bad thing. This is almost an apology. <laughs> I don't know whether they will have recognised how absolutely bastard cool the hog tags looked, but like it occurs to me, I have absolutely no idea what the future holds for prizes. Oh, past the hog tags, I realise I don't know what else. No, they offer. no, I don't know. Or if they continue doing it at all. I mean, is being printed in STC enough of a prize on its own? No, I want a thing. <laughs> <laughs> the Sega Charts. Over in the charts, Saturn chart is really the only place where it's at at this point. Because, well, yeah. as we recently ascertained, there's the number of Mega Drive games left to be released can be counted on the fingers of one hand. Horrifyingly. Yeah, not even all of them. 
Saturn's got international victory goal in at number five. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't. Care. Not even gonna Google title, it. I don't care. Not gonna poison my algorithm with words like that. <laughs> but number six, Sega Ages. Oh, I should have looked that up. People know what that is. I was hoping you would, right? Oh, when you go then. I can't do anything. I'm eating a lolly. I have no hands to type with. The first Sega Ages series was released in 1996 for the Saturn in Japan and concluded in 98. Although the majority of titles in this series remain exclusive to Japan, three games from the line, Outrun, Space Harrier, and Afterburner 2, would be compiled into the video ah. game compilation Sega Ages Volume 1, released in Europe in 96 by Sega itself, and in North America in 1997 by Working Designs under their imprint. Oof. Those Americans. Despite the title, no additional volumes would be released in these territories. And there you go. What were those three games again, Dave? Those three games were again, Dave, Outrun, of course, Space Harrier, obviously, and Afterburner 2. Those are all Mega Drive games? Master System games? Well, they're arcade games, so I bet they were better ports. But in this time of old classics being stuck on a disc and brought out and old mm. mugs being dredged mm -hmm. up from the depths to be given away for prizes, it's nice that the <laughs> Game Gear can still continue to offer new titles because we've got Man, Man Overboard, Overboard, a new game in at number 10. <laughs> Summer. Vote for Me, written by Lou Stringer, art by Roberto Corona... Corona. Colors by Joan Burns and letters by Tom Frame. As Mobius gets back on its feet following the deposition of Dr. Robotnik, elections begin to appoint a new ruler of the planet. Unfortunately, the only two candidates, Derek Wombat and Giles Baboon, are only interested in power for its own sake, and their political feud quickly escalates into a power-armoured street brawl that Sonic has to put down. Bored and annoyed by the whole political process, Sonic proposes that Mobius shouldn't have one single ruler anymore, so the populace instead decides to appoint individual zone leaders. Right. When you start reading this, you are thinking, I see what's happening. This is going to be... Lou Stringer is going to do a bit of politics jokes. And then a couple of pages later, you turn the page, and they're having at each other in big mech suits. Yeah. <laughs> I genuinely didn't see that coming. I think it's the fact that that happens does make me get to the end of the issue and ask, what what even was that all about anyway? It's just like, you see politicians? No, not one, mate. Not even. That's kind of the joke is they're all worthless. Yeah, well. And then it gets to the end of the story and goes, but we do have to have people in charge. But listen, though, and I've just thought of this right now. This was the year Tony Blair was elected. Well, that's it. I mean, I did think there was something... It was rel It was in the news, you know? Well, and the thing is about Tony Blair was that he was basically a Tory. So it had been Conservatives for our whole lives, yeah. and then Labour won, but by being Conservatives. Yeah, but the new Labour. Yeah, so that's what Lou's given us here. It's like, that guy, that guy, who cares? They're the same. Doesn't matter. I think you're right, actually, yeah. And I didn't think of that until just this moment. <laughs> I think you could be onto something with that. Because the because what I was thinking while I was reading this comic was that that's the situation we're in now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, this comic actually reads now. Um, I was thinking differently than it did then, but no, it's exactly the same as it would have done then. I mean, it does get to the end of the story, and it yeah. says, yeah... Nobody voted for them. They're both as bad as the other. Uh -huh. But the resolution of the story is, no one should have the power to rule the whole planet, 
just let's have rulers for each zone instead. And someone goes, well, how do we choose them then? More elections? And Sonic just makes a joke about flipping a coin and it's like, (laughs) well, no, how do you choose them? Yeah. We have to have people in charge. What's the process? (laughs) If you're going to spend seven pages making fun of it, but then go, well, no, actually. What's the the process? I may be asking too much of the Sonic the Hedgehog comic. Well, that's the the problem with writing anything that makes fun of politics, is that, yeah, if at the end you have to have them revise the system and come up with something else, now you're like, oh, wait, I have to solve an age-old question. Yeah, we've got to solve politics. (laughs) It's all well and good to sit there on the sidelines and make jokes, but what's your answer? (laughs) What are you doing about it? (laughs) Imagine if Lou had got it, and, like... The answer to <laughs> the answer to politics had been lamenting in a 1997 issue of Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you this much. So they get up on their soapboxes, literally, to uh-huh. a visual joke, for the introductory speeches. People of Mobius, vote for me, Derek Wombat, and I promise you free school gravy for every child. I will reduce the number of buttons on shirts, and I promise whiter snow at Christmas. (laughs) My dear citizens, vote for me, Giles Baboon, and I promise to lower the legal haircut limit to elbow level. I'll ban (laughs) the wearing of white socks and encourage the forming of more boy bands. (laughs) I'm voting Wombat. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Free gravy. Free gravy and snow on Christmas. And not as many boy bands. <laughs> yeah. Sign me up. Vote for one man, man. No, not even, a, not even a hard choice. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the platform he's campaigning on. <laughs> I think the gag is supposed to be that it, since it's school gravy, it's bad. It's kind of a Beano-y British joke yeah. about how school dinners are yuck, but still. I am currently actively trolling our listeners, by the way. Uh, by not having mentioned what is mentioned in the very first panel. Because they've been waiting. They've been like, wait till he gets there. Oh, yes. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> in Discord. Yes. Our first panel is of uh, Techno announcing that power has been successfully restored to the planet. Which is important, actually. That's a, Yes, we've resolved hmm. that from the last episode where it was all... Also, I think, is this maybe the first time Techno's appeared in the lead Sonic strip? Is it? I think Gosh. so. Gosh, could be. Oh, She's be. just in it for two panels, you know, but it's just, mm. to me, this was the moment where I was like, oh, Techno's just part of the furniture now. Techno mm. is part of the gang. You, yeah. She'll just show up anywhere now. She's not just going to be in Sonic's world strips. They can just have her in for anything. Yeah. When they have a tech problem they need solving, Techno can be there in the lead strip. Yeah, yeah. Solve it. But in response to this news, Sonic says the power blackout wiped out the badniks, but it also meant no one could cook Chili dog. Chili dog. The first acknowledgement of the chili dog in Sonic the Comic, I believe. I think so, yeah. In story, anyway. Uh, oh, yes. We're recording this on a Saturday, but on Wednesday there was a bit of a chat in our Discord where someone mentioned how STC eschewed the chili dog in favour of burgers. And I pointed out that the burgers came first, and that by the time Sonic had a signature food on TV, the comic had basically left that whole shtick behind. Well, I mean, burgers were never a signature food even early on. No. It was the simple idea that he ate a lot of high-calorie food because he ran so fast and burned it up, so we had a lot of fast food. Yes, and burger is the main fast food, yeah. yeah. But then there was a certain amount of, oh, wait till they get to issue 101, and here we are indeed. They dropped me lolly! Oh no! Oh, it's gone straight back in his gob again. Okay, I caught it on the arm, didn't hit the ground. Oh, good. I hope your jumper's clean. Well. 
<laughs> I was the other day. What was it? I did. I had to clean something that I wasn't expecting to clean because I I reached into something with my arm and I had a jumper on and I, and it was a food thing. Whatever it was, I reached into it was a food thing, a pan, say, or something like that. And I had to clean it because I realised that I'd just spent a week opening public toilet doors by putting my hand in that sleeve and oh, opening the. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so there, here's Lou bringing chili dogs in. Are they exclusive to the Looniverse? We will <laughs> find out moving forwards. With Robotnik gone, Techno says we can live in Metropolis City safely. And I love this bit, because I was like, oh, I don't want Sonic to live in Metropolis City. But then Sonic immediately goes, that might suit a computer boff like you, Techno. Mm. Seconds later, says the caption, but I prefer greener zones. And he arrives in... Well, it could be anywhere, really. It's, yeah, it no, does, no. Doesn't somewhere have, nice. It doesn't have the checkerboards or the loops to tell us if it's the Emerald or Green Hill Zone, but uh, it's somewhere nice and green. And Tails is just there going, Hi, Sonic. That must well, be... It must be... Imagine what life must be like for Tails. You you will just be getting on with your life, and then there'll be Sonic screeching to hold in front of you. That shouldn't be how it is. I mean, <laughs> now I guess it might be, because they've always hung out together and lived in a caravan together and everything for a long time. Yeah, and when they went swimming, they kissed all the women. <laughs> What? Because <laughs> they lived in a caravan, like Popeye the Sailor Man. Oh, nope, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I like these little ants. Oh, where? Who, uh, you know, speak up at the... Uh, well, they're not even little, they're, they're normal size Mobians. Oh, they look a little bit little. They're a little bit little. But I like them because they look like... And it's a rare move for SDC. They really look like Sonic character ants. They do, actually, yeah. They have muscles for some reason. Yes, <laughs> yeah. That's what it is, isn't it? It really ties mm. them in with the style. And also the uh, the man one has sort of vaguely Sonic-y shoes. But they're just piping up to say, do either of you propose to help the victimised ant colonies? Someone in the audience raising an actual serious issue that needs addressing. So the politicians can go, well, we'll consider it in time. I'll consider it before you. Yeah. And Tails is like, oh, it's a tough choice. Yeah. Yeah, should you vote for a bozo or a wingnut? <laughs> I mean, Sonic wouldn't care about politics. That is, that is, it's in line yes. for the character. Yes. Whatever incarnation of Sonic you're talking about, Sonic just wants to live free and die hard. <laughs> um. <laughs> I loved the next page. Straight away, I got two notes for the first two panels. Panel one, they're all Sonic, Tails, and Amy are just at home, whatever home is. Wherever home is, yeah. And they're watching the telly. Amy with her big steaming mug of coffee there. Yeah. And she's got as cross of a face on as Sonic. I think she's on board with him, even to the point where I wonder if this was supposed to be a Sonic line. But the speech balloons point to Amy. Mm, time to see which one has the most hot air, because you think there's going to be a political debate. And then the reveal in panel two of what's on the telly, which is these two mech suits <laughs> beating seven bells out of each other. They look like the cyber gorillas from that Dobbins yeah, they do. from a few issues ago, don't they? Yeah. It's exactly what they look like, yeah. But, but but that's their bodies, and then they're just their little heads on top, you know? <laughs> Who said politics was boring? Tails says. Oh wait, I know what the I know what the point of this is. Okay, I know what the point of this is, and why we have the thing about rulers of zones and so on. It's because this is this is answering not the question of how do we solve politics. It's answering the question of how do we solve the fact that this is a planet that up till now was ruled by one person. A bad thing to do. And if you just replace it with a nice Mobian, then that's just as abusable. I don't feel like we need to have an attempt to elect a second supreme leader to prove <laughs> that having a supreme leader is a bad thing. Yes. <laughs> no, I guess not. But nevertheless, that's what we've got. <laughs> but yes, I mean, that, that is what this... Because at the end of it all, and this, yeah. this is the real fantasy of this story. Yeah. At the end of it all, they do the, the votes are in, we'll see, they open the ballot box, 
and no one's voted for either of them, and because they've been tied up in uh, the wires from their suit after Sonic beat them, they haven't been able to vote for yeah. themselves, so no votes have been cast. Yeah. And that is the true fantasy, yeah, that, that people wouldn't just vote for one of the two of them because there's only the two of them, so they figure they have to vote for one of them. That's the world liberals want. <laughs> I must admit that when I read that, I had a pang of sorrow that that can't happen in real life. <laughs> I know, right? The idea that that the people would see sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I did chuckle at Baboon going, I demand a recount! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing to recount, mate. <laughs> then this bird pipes up and says, there's only one leader good enough to rule Mobius, and that's Sonic. Yay! And Sonic's like, no. Mm. <laughs> Thanks, but no thanks. I'm so glad. I mean, obviously, there's no other way, but it was lovely to see him turn that down, you know, because because perhaps speaking as someone who installed King Sonic in the end of Mobius, <laughs> which was the wrong thing to do. Well, that's it, though. I mean, I suppose as a child, you don't necessarily cotton on to the idea of no. one bloke in charge of the planet is a bad thing. No, because you're raised on stories about kings and stuff. So kings it should... and, yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. And stories where, you know, Planet of the Hats type stories where one <laughs> planet is just an entire, yes. an entire kingdom unto itself. So it's not unusual at all. You do think that if Robotnik is currently the ruler of the planet, then instead it should be Sonic who should defeat him and be the ruler. Because that would be fair. You defeat the ruler of the planet in combat. Now you're the ruler of the planet. <laughs> yeah. So I guess fundamentally what Stringer is calling for here is simply proportionate representation. Yes. But you still do have to presumably have elections to elect those guys. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm saying the whole story falls apart as a consequence of it or anything. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's just the only way as an adult I can look at it, you know. Sonic's really advocating for... If it wasn't Sonic himself coming up with the idea, Sonic really feels like he would favour, like, just organised anarchy. Yes, I, th I think so. He just wants to run places. Yeah, in one and only one sense. Well, that's it then. What we must read at the end of this story is that they ask the wrong person and that person gives a flippant throwaway answer and it doesn't, it doesn't matter what Sonic the Hedgehog thinks should be the method of that's elections. That's true. What does he know? Yeah. He's actively not interested and doesn't want to be a part of it. Just, I don't know. How about you go f*** yourselves? I'm off. <laughs> uh, next issue, Unnatural Disasters. Mm. Knuckles. Loose Ends. Written by Nigel Kitching. Art by Nigel Dobbin. And letters by Elita Fell. Knuckles returns to the site of Dr. Zachary's defeat to apprehend the buddy, but it turns out Zachary has escaped into the floating island's tunnels. His robots suddenly reactivate, and the Emerald Hill folk quickly attack them, but it's soon apparent that they are harmless now, as Zachary's control over them is gone. Knuckles makes preparations to finally return the Emerald Hill folk home, and begin the process of restoring the floating island to its former glory. R.I.P. Dr. Zachary fell in a hole and never came out. Yeah. Straight in with the follow-up on Doc Zach. This is a lovely story. Yes. I, 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 my flip intro notwithstanding, <laughs> this is the epilogue that yeah. you would print at the end of the trade paperback yes. of the last bunch of, of issues. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's lovely. And not a lot happens in it. It is tidying up. And it, is, it is just loose ends, like the title says. Yeah, oh yeah, I didn't know it was called that. Yeah, yeah. They find out Doctor Zachary has gone away, so we don't have to worry about that. He was trapped in this crevasse, and we see he's dug a tunnel in yeah. it and has got away into the the famous tunnels of the floating island. 
Knuckles is then about to go after him, but then he's stopped by an Emerald Hill folk guy who, you know, because you can see others faded out in the background, you get the sense he's, that they've pushed him forward to speak for them. They've talked about this. They're not interested in all these adventures. They want to go home. And so he's like, yeah, actually, we, we really appreciate you letting us hide out on the floating island, uh, but we want to go home. And so Knuckles is, oh, okay. And this is told to us over a, a seat. We've had a tall panel over on the left-hand side of the page showing Knuckles and Porker mm. looking down into the trench. The whole right-hand side of the page is now this sequence of five widescreen panels. And it's it's difficult to see. We didn't see until just, just now, basically. Yeah, just now, yeah. But across those five panels, the visors are slowly lighting up until the sort of swing of light that uh, characterizes the one Ding. roving eye light they have in there, eye bulb, comes on and the robots are, are rising up. Because there, there are these three robots just standing dormant. I guess they're left over from the fight. They're just standing there because Dr. Zachary's control software went down in the EMP, so the robots weren't able to move. They were just... They're just metal statues out. now. They themselves were not deactivated or knocked out, just the control software was. was right? So what we're seeing here is, after the Emerald Hill folk immediately attack the robots as soon as they see they're moving again, and the robots laser beam them in response, but Knuckles immediately gets in between them and explains mm. that what simply happened is now that with, with Zachary's control software having been knocked out, the robots now have reactivated, rebooted under their own power, and they're just in defense mode, and they, the only reason they shot at the Hill Folk was because the Hill Folk attacked them first. Here's something I've just thought of right now. The ancient Echidnas had these guardian robots, and they left armies of them on the floating island. What was Knuckles for? They could have guarded the Chaos Emeralds. This army of robots that can laser beam people. You wouldn't want to trust that into the hands of artificial intelligence. No, suppose not. You know, there's enough going on right now to show what a bad idea that is. Yeah, yeah I suppose so. Well, yeah, but they're ancients. They've got advanced ancient technology magic, haven't they? I bet their AIs are better than ours. you got to have someone in charge to direct them. Mm, yeah. So yeah, once they've established that, the Emerald Hill folk have announced their desire to return home. I, I don't know if we clearly said that earlier on, but yeah. Oh, did we? Knuckles is going to head off after Zachary, and one of these Emerald Hill folk guys comes up and says, no, we'd actually quite like to go home. Bit aggressively, I will say. Yes. No, just one minute, Knuckles. Yeah, you get the impression that Knuckles has been f***ing him around for ages, don't you? They're like, no, l listen, mate. <laughs> You've been welcomed in up here and treated perfectly fine. You've been given lovely mushroom houses. It's been about five minutes since Dr. Robotnik was beaten and you're getting yeah. aggro about the fact he hasn't brought the island down to take you home already? Yeah. But anyway... Knuckles says, go back to the village, gather your belongings, you're going home. And there's a, a big shot of the juicer. <laughs> the big egg. <laughs> Knuckles invites Porker to go with him to the Emerald Chamber. Oh, Chris, I turned the page and got so excited and happy here because A, Emerald Chamber. I love to see those emeralds floating in the beam. B, this page is all about the treasure chest. We are, Aye. we are capping off that. The treasure chest did matter it does come to a head here. It's full of plans and diagrams of the floating island, and with their help, I'm going to repair the floating island to its former glory. Yeah! It's the dawning of a great new age. <laughs> an age without Robotnik. And I think I'm going to enjoy it. Yes! Knuckles will return soon. Not even in the next issue. Supersonic story next issue, as we've already been told. Whatever happened to Supersonic? This is this is what goes in the back end of it. Mm. Of the trade of the book. paperback. you got to put this it's, one in there. It's, yeah. it's perfect. I, I, now this age, wish that had been the opening story of the issue because it's the most important one and it should follow on from the previous issue. But 
it's not a. It doesn't really work. As I mean, a, it's really only important for Knuckles. It doesn't matter to Sonic. Yeah. But, it, well, it's a, as a character, yes, it's a good capper to the Sonic story that we've had in the previous issue. But really, you'd want it on the end. Really, really, you want it on the end of that issue. Uh, almost, but not quite. I think the explosion of Citadel Robotnik was the better end for the issue, actually. That was well good. I do like this little exchange while Porker and Knuckles walk into the Emerald Chamber and Knuckles gestures around at the the ruins of the place and he says, you might have tidied up a little while I was away. (laughs) (laughs) You're kidding! I wouldn't dare touch anything in here, says Porker. I look at Porker standing there with his hands in his pockets. I know, yeah. If they just look up at the emeralds just floating there, and it's just lovely. That's really good. It's just a lovely little quiet, thoughtful moment, again, yes. to use that word again. And just, Dobbin's got the the retired energy of Porker Lewis down here, you know what I mean? Mm, he's like, I know I can be at peace. Yeah, he's just a guy now. He's not fighting anymore, he's just a guy. He's Just, there. just he's... the guy who happened to be the one who actually put Robotnik in chains. <laughs> yeah! Porker's the, the unsung best hero one. of it all. And now that I have finished my lolly, <laughs> I think it's time we look at some more tasty treats <laughs> in the half-baked zone. This is a photo zone in which four cakes are depicted. The return of, of the cake. STC cakes. <laughs> I love a bit of cake. Oh, we should have got one, shouldn't we? <laughs> so um, we got four cakes. Oh yes, because this is just a, we should say this is just a single page graphic zone, photo zone. You normally yes. the double page, but this, that's why we're able to have a review zone in a little bit. It's mm. because the graphic zone, the picture pages, is only one page instead of a double page. This issue. Yes. So the first one is from Davy Stevenson of Kirkwall Orkney, Mega Drive owner, Crayola Mini Stampers 2-pack winner. Well, it's credited to Davy Stevenson, but it should be credited, really, to Davy Stevenson's parent or guardian. Of course. Because... Sent in by Indeed. Davy Stevenson. That's really what it's saying. Because dude. this is Davy's ninth birthday cake. And this is a cake sitting on a bed of cake, a table of cake. It's all cake. No, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's one of those silver cardboard bases oh is that what it is yeah it's just that they've written just in icing on some it some icing on it yes I, f- I find that weird and disturbing behavior yeah, you see it sometimes anyway it is a very good cake of one of the early richard elson drawings of knuckles right yes i mean it's there's one glaring error um which is that they've used a, a sort of red sort of color red on. kind of color i don't know yeah. what that's all about they've got that yes, right yeah. but uh, actually this co- do you know what now i look at it i wonder if this is actually from the marxio brothers uh I believe Carnival it is, actually. Story. Yes, yeah. that's the look that it has. By which time I think he was red. He was red yes. in that, yeah. Yes. Oh, well. Oh, well, I guess we'll allow it. Can't win them all. But no, it's really good. It's a full-on, like, 3D figure of Knuckles' cake. Yes. The only... There's a bit of ground between his feet and arms just to build out the silhouette. But otherwise, yeah, it's a fully, like, sculpted... 3D Knuckles cake. Yes, with a little marzipan bean for a nose. Or maybe even a jelly bean. There's a bean, anyway. There's a sort of a a separate nose. Over on the right, Ben Harrison's parents have uh, (laughs) done a nice square cake of Sonic standing on the checkerboard landscape of the Green Hill Zone. Yes. Rings above his head. Doing the standard Sonic legs crossed finger up pose. Yep. And one, two, three, four, five, six candles plugged in at the oh, one empty spot. You know, I noticed that there's also six rings over Sonic's head, yeah. which makes me think they should probably have stuck the candles in, in the each rings, of the rings, yeah. shouldn't they? Um, yeah. Those rings are, in fact, metallic and shiny. I don't know what they're going to be they made of. They do seem to be, don't they? Definitely are. I don't know what they're made of. That's Ben Harrison in Brightling Sea, Essex. And uh, James Tweedale in Wakefield, West Yorkshire, uh, has sent in, again, as parents have made a cake 
of the Sonic and Knuckles logo. Strong choice. Well, we assume, parents, there's nothing ruling out the possibility that they had these professionally iced in a local bakery. Yes, you never know, do you? Um, But it's not just the logo in an oval-shaped cake. It's actually an odd hexagonal cake. Uh, So above and below it, there's a bit of extra space. It's just white, the rest of the cake. You'd be tempted to make it black, wouldn't you? That's a lot of... I think that would look quite unappetizing, don't you? Uh, Like an all-black cake. cake. Yeah, it's okay. And it says, Happy birthday, James, in blue icing. And then it is... Just surrounded by a sea of cupcakes. Just billions. He was having a proper party with this bad boy. Yeah. Now, some children will object to the fact that almost all of the cupcakes have got blue icing on. Some of them have got the top of an iced gem on. Some of them have got, you know, those little jelly bits, those little jelly diamonds on. Some of them completely unadorned, not even a bit of icing at all. And a lot of children would resent those. I I agree. But give them to me. I will eat an unadorned cupcake and I'll enjoy it. Well, I mean, yeah, you'll... Of course you'll eat it and enjoy it, but if you walk, if you stride boldly up to that table of cupcakes, are you going to... Pick the unadorned cupcake. Oh, that's a difficult question. No, listen. You see, no, that's, no. That's a difficult. Is no, qu- no, no, you're not. no. That's a difficult question to answer because there are parameters. One is that icing or is that buttercream? If it's buttercream, I'm obviously having one with buttercream. If it's icing, I might have one without. I really might. I'm not that into the, the you know, the hard kind of icing. Well, it's, it's a cupcake, so it's probably buttercream. That does look. It's got in a very. Which case, and I'll reuse a, a term we used recently when talking about toast, cream, and jam. <laughs> It's got a very dollopy appearance. <laughs> yeah, then then great, I'll have that. Uh, if I'm now, and here I can tell you this for certain, if it's two cakes ahead, I'm having one of each. I'm having a blank one and I'm having a buttercream one. Well, I would assume you get one and then maybe you can go back for one later. Yeah. And don't worry, because obviously They're the, the ones blank ones that are going to be left. left to the end. I assume those are for the parents. <laughs> Because the parents don't, they don't need fun. What do they need with <laughs> sugar and, and little ball bearings and such on there? And how old are the parents? They're my age. They're happy to have an unadorned cupcake, as am I. Because it's interesting. It's it's like, ah. Oh, That's what I'm saying. This is what the flavour really is of a cake. Om nom. It's like a muffin. You know, it's mm. nice. Yeah, it's like the way you come to appreciate the natural sugars in a carrot. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Shut up. Choose in the plain <laughs> cupcake. What's wrong with you? No, obviously I wouldn't. You're right. And the last one is in from David Nicholson, who it's just a full, again, it's just a full body Sonic kick. Mansfield, Nottingham. Got to represent the Mansfield. Oops, sorry, I didn't even bother. <laughs> I moved so far beyond bothered to mention where they come from. Because <laughs> I was so, it's just a huge big Sonic kick. Yeah. These are, we should say, and the same with the Knuckles one, when we say full body. They are lying down flat on the surface. They're not stand-up 3D cakes. This one, differently to the Knuckles one, has no background. So Mm. they've had to, you know, this will be carefully laid out on, again, the exact same silver stuff. This is at least four small cakes. Yes. Uh, One big one for his head, one slightly smaller one for his torso, and two ovular ones for his big feet. And then... And then just lashings of marzipan, I'm hoping. I'm a marzipan man. Presumably for the arms and the spines, yeah. And and yeah, a fully picked out face, and it's... the, The face is... A mixture of quite good and not quite in the right place. Well, it's hard to tell because we've got a bad angle. Oh, we've got a weird perspective, yes. It's photographed at an angle from the feet looking up. Yes, we're sort of low down. Think of the Star Wars crawl, but yeah. Sonic's head's at the top <laughs> and his feet are at the bottom. So the illusion that it is that it has huge big feet, which is why STC have captured yes. this particular picture. No mean feet. No mean feet. feet. Do you get it? Like a feet like a like bird's, a bird's feet. feet. 
There we go. The first birds like a birds of the new century. I must learn to do what the members of our Discord have done, which is to call fresh from the mind at any moment the name of the kid who wanted to see Sonic's feet. It's an important oh, name. Oh, no, I've never managed it. No, I have to look it up every time <laughs> I want to reference it. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to come up with a mnemonic or something. Pin up. You know, it's, uh, yeah. it's a quite a dynamic one, this issue, actually. It is. It? The, so this is Carlton uh, Badniks. Uh, where, what zone are they from? Uh, Mystic Cave Zone. The blue and yellow caterpillar ones with mean-looking pincers and... Uh, and they shoot out of the walls at you. Oh, so they do. But what's happened here is... So Ferran has just drawn one. As usual. Yeah. But it's in a kind of a curly stance that we might remember from that one long rock worm Pokemon guy. You know, the one, what's he called? Onyx. Uh, Onyx. Kind of a similar pose to that. But there's several of them arranged, and they flipped some of them. And that does give them the effect of sort of wriggling at speed towards you as a group. So I'm giving them points for this one. And there's a lovely big colourful, you know, various shades of pink speed line speed line, background yeah. with little starbursts dotted around it. All very primitive stuff, but yeah, I mean, but... It, it beats the crap out of a three-quarters view pasted yeah. multiple times over a plain white background. They've done the exact trick that I did for our recent cover art of Cleopatra coming at you <laughs> by putting the speed lines on, and that creates the, the illusion of movement. That it was coming at you. Coming at you. Coming at you. Like Cleopatra. <laughs> so yeah, there we are. I thought it was alright. That that's, that's alright, that one. They're becoming more innovative with these. And mm. it does make me a little curious to see what they can possibly come up with to make them more interesting next. There can't be that many of them left. How many did Ferran draw? It does feel that I, ca- I can't believe there will be any Sonic 3 bad Nick pinups. Yeah. Because we're thinking that these pieces of art were made for the Badnik spotter cards that never happened. I think so. And I have a further think as well. I think what happened is that when the Badnik spotter cards were going to come out, they said, Ferran, start drawing Badniks. We'll tell you when to stop. And they mm. forgot. So <laughs> he's still drawing them now. And they were like, oh no, quick, make them pinups. Legend says he's still <laughs> drawing them now. So yeah, that's the pinup. Uh, the cake photos on the back of one side of it. And then as it's becoming a recurring thing, and I think will be pretty standard going forward. I think I've said that before, but just no harm in restating it. <laughs> on the uh, other reverse is the ad for next issue, which we'll come back to at the end of the episode. But speaking of going back, 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 hey, Dave, hey. take us back. <laughs> take us back to 1997. I have a back in I have a bad case of diarrhea. I have a bad case of diarrhea. Welcome to the Diary Zone. This is the section of the podcast where we take you back in time with us to relive what it was like at that time when this issue came out. And we have here, for these two weeks, the publication date of this issue, my actual real-life teenage diary. And, as you'll remember from our spectacular last episode, I'm now on the internet. It's horrifying, folks. Yes, it's it's bad. I am growing up and I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> On Tuesday, the 1st of April, 1997. Oh, April Fool's Day, but uh, no fun to be had here because I read most of Apocalypse Prelude, a very dark Sonic fan fiction. Ooh, how dark was it? How many people died? I d- well, I don't remember. This is the thing. But apparently I printed it out and I'm currently printing Mobius Apocalypse, to which it is the prelude. Uh, Sabrina, a person on the Sonic internet at the time, said she loved the end of Mobius and already knew about the Metallics from Rats page. And then there's just a question mark, exclamation mark, an bang, I believe those are called. 
Rat's page. That's well worth talking about because it was called. It was, it was rat.org was the address, and it like it predated Windows ninety five. It was really really old, and it was basically a server that this guy kept his Sonic stuff on. And it was one of the first, it was possibly the first place on the internet where Sonic fans like their stuff was. Because back then, if you wanted to put stuff on the internet, you had to be paying for server space or you had to own a server yourself. And this guy Ratman just did own one. And if he liked other fans' stuff, then he would he would host it on there. So he had this art gallery where people could send in Sonic drawings, and he hosted them. And that was like the place where Sonic fan art was. And then the ABC Sonic cartoon finished. And he had this friend, this other Sonic fan called Bookshire Draftwood, who was like, oh, I want this cartoon to still be going. So she had this idea for a section of the website that he could start called the Mobius Central Library, where she would just write more Sonic stories and upload them and they would sit there. And then other fans liked this idea and they started submitting them. And before long, you had the first place where you could download Sonic fanfics from. Oh, right. And what was really interesting in those days was, like, there weren't very many of them, so they'd all read all of them. So they were all written in this shared continuity with characters they'd made up that they all... A bit like STCO is now. But as well as that, he had a load of, like, rare Sonic stuff. So it was Rat.org was where you saw the first clips of like the Sonic anime, the Sonic OVA. So I still call it the Sonic anime because that's what we called it then. He'd basically taken everything off Sonic Jam, dumped it all on here. So there was all like behind the scenesy stuff. There was old Sonic adverts uploaded there. There was all these rare wallpapers and things like this. And every Sonic website at the time, on the whole Sonic web ring, linked back to Rat.org. Basically, the whole Sonic web ring was just like Windows onto this one guy's server. And so, in a few months' time, when Ratman, who ran Rat.org, suddenly has enough of Sonic the Hedgehog, grows out of that and shuts the whole thing down, the entire ecosystem of the Sonic internet just collapses, and there are wars and arguments and gnashing of teeth and shock. And if I remember correctly, the reason it happened was because of Sega executives. Um, I already mentioned the Sonic fan art gallery. Well, naturally and inevitably, somebody was sending in pictures of a sexual nature, and Sega got involved, and they emailed Ratman and were like, no, you got to take this stuff down, and you got to try and get permission for even to, even to just have normal fan art. Because, of course, in those days, corporations didn't know what to do about the internet and fan art. It was a whole new idea. So, Ratman, in response to the rude images and taking those down, and the fact that people were submitting, like, not just pictures of Sonic and Tails, but other foxes that they designed, and it kind of was starting to become just this furry gallery. So, he decided, okay, we're having a new direction for this, and he called it the Squeaky Clean furry archive and at some point around then he was like in fact you know what i'm not even having any sonic stuff and he took uh, the, the first sign of him retreating from sonic fandom was that he took all the sonic art off and it was just this furry gallery and then when it all went and there was no more sonic there he renamed the squeaky clean furry archive too and uh, some listeners will recognize this i don't know if you will chris or not it becomes Yurf, which for the longest time was the furry art website. Okay. If you remember what DeviantArt was like when it was DeviantArt, Yurf was that 
before DeviantArt and just for furries. And uh, they had a, a big culling of the Sonic art. And so over in our neck of the woods, there was a lot of like, oh no, oh, he took all the Sonic art. It was, a for the longest time, a very big deal. Uh, furries listening will probably have heard of it. And if not, then that just means that history has moved on so much you would have done had you been uh, just a few years younger. Yerf. Mm. Yes, it's, it's a name and a half, isn't it? Well, it's not connected to the term yif or anything like that, is it? I mean, it simply must be, mustn't it? That's what I'm saying, but it's like... Did it inspire it, or is it the origin of it, or...? This is the question. I doubt it. I looked this up. It's interesting. Yeah, we're doing this. Here's some furry history. So, before it became its own thing with its own culture, furry fandom was just like a few people who were into things like Disney's Robin Hood and Looney Tunes and stuff, and they thought that animal characters were pretty demonstrably a good basis for cartoons, and they would watch them, and they would draw their own ones, and they would submit them to what we would now call fanzines that got sold or handed out at whatever nerdy conventions there were. So they were drawing in from all sorts of different directions, right? Now, some of this is speculation and dot connecting, but this is what I found while I was researching this. Remember how, in Pinky and the Brain, Pinky used to say NARF and POIT? Well, this is allegedly based on a man called Eddie Fitzgerald, who used to say this stuff as different expressions of feeling when words weren't quite what he had time for. Regular listeners will not be surprised to learn that I was doing the same thing. Because, so you couldn't swear at school, right, or in front of your parents but you could make little frustrated noises like Nerf! and it wasn't long before I'd be drawing a comic or whatever where I wanted to use that Nerf! as a little grunt of annoyance at which point it becomes a word you have to write it out like Nerf N-Y-R-F Nerf Now this is what Homer Simpson's dough is as well just, it was just a little noise, and then it gradually ossified as a written word with a canon spelling. So I used to start to say nerf like it was a word. But I knew I was being deliberately silly though, and presumably so did this guy Eddie Fitzgerald. His version of nerf was, it was more like an exclamation that he would bring out when the guy sitting next to him would say something funny or impressive. So, that guy, right. Eddie Fitzgerald was in whatever equivalent of a writer's room they had on Tiny Toons where he would most often be hanging out with this guy called Tom Minton, who had... It was completely different. He, he'd never shout anything. He had this low, quiet voice, and he used to make Eddie laugh and blurt out his narfs and points and so on. And they would be together, with one of them muttering quiet ideas and the other one shouting appreciation. And a producer on Tiny Toons, Tom Ruger, he thought that their dynamic was really funny and that it sort of looked from a distance like they were secretly plotting to take over the world, right? So you got one of them having the big ideas and trying to whisper them and the other one's idolising him and being too loud. Yeah, you get it. I don't really need to go any further into what that idea ended up as. But I think it's plausible that Eddie, shouting Narf, was a reader of a zine that started in 1990 and lays claim to Narf and Point as parts of its lexicon. So it was an indie publication of anthropomorphic animal cartoons that had started a few years earlier, and it was called YARF! Now from what I can find out, which is very little, it seems to have been called that as something between like an animal noise and just a silly word. YARF! Now, you know how people baby talk at their pets? Have you, ever, have you ever seen or done the opposite, where people imagine that their pets would talk in a sort of baby talk language? That's what lolcats evolved out of, you know, I can has cheeseburger being meant to evoke something smaller than a young child struggling with language and cute. Well, me and my brother used to do a version of this, by the way, with our cats in the 80s. We had this whole lexicon for them that was a, a bit off kilter just because it'd be cute. Well, the early online furries also did this. 
there was a furry muck user who had a gimmick. He played a character called Little Fox, whose whole thing was being this tiny, cutesy little character who peppered his speech with these onomatopoeic sounds that were meant to evoke the sort of noises that an idealised cute fox might make. And it started to catch on among furries as like the de facto way that cute little foxes would talk. Now his cute little words were along the lines of yarf and narf, and I'm thinking maybe Little Fox also was a reader of Yarf and interpreted their thing of blurting out little silly words as like, just that's like the sort of noises that a little animal guy would make. So he starts throwing these into his speech online. But he took it further, it wasn't just silly little noises, it was, they meant things. It wasn't so much a translatable language as it was like a spectrum of feeling from positive to negative and just certain sounds and modifiers caught on as feeling right for those feelings. So you've got a cheerful yip at the happy end of the spectrum, right? That sounds happy, doesn't it? And then like growlf is at the negative end. And yerf was somewhere in the middle, on the positive side, and it was how they said hello. And then one step higher than that was yif, which was a sound that was more positive, and it was so positive it was actually just their word for yes, as well as being how they said hello to the people that they liked the most. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Like yif. Yif, it's, it's basically the word yes, but said in a cutesy, huffy sort of a voice. Yif. Well, at some point, uh, if you remember, the, the word in the top spot was yip, and that was Y-I-P. But they started adding a second P to it to make it even higher on the scale, even more positive than the most positive greeting available. Which, of course, makes it a sexual proposition among people who are role-playing as characters who don't have the words for sex that we do, ostensibly because they're cartoon animals, but probably really because of social anxiety around saying any of that stuff out loud, because back then, an entire generate, more than one entire generation of middle-class white people were incredibly repressed, and that's who's got internet access, so that's probably who it was. And then just by the process of all of this seeping out of its original confines and blurring as it spread further away, uh, yip and yif blended together, and yif and all of the rest of it fell away, and it was just yif was just left as this furry sex word. And that particular blend of repression and sexuality and cutesiness is why they found it perfectly lovely, and a naughty's generation of internet goons with their own problems found it very disturbing, and everybody got into a great big fight. So there you go! Now you know! Someone to continue with our discussion of the 1st of April, someone sent me a story about Sonic becoming a vampire. <gasps> a werehog. In which he does something to Tails that's a bit ooh-er. Uh, yes, the very first time I've encountered Sonic and Tails doing a sexo <laughs> at each other. That's it. That's the death of innocence right there. That was it. That was what happened. Finished Sonic CD! Yeah, Yay. I'm playing that on the PC, if you recall. No time stones, though. Well, no, who can get them? Brilliant cartoon and song. And I am talking there about the American uh, song, Sonic Boom. Sonic Boom! turned up to chat today, I was Metal Axe. <laughs> oh boy. Chris knows about Metal Axe. I do. Metal Axe is an antagonist from the end of Mobius, the fanfic I was writing at around this time, and is read out to Chris and you in its entirety on our Patreon if you are interested in who Metal Axe is. I was Metal Axe, who tried to kill everyone until Omni 
crept up behind him and used his pendant to blow him away. But then he came back online and knocked Omni out. But then Omnibot from the future fought Metalax. Stop, stop, no, stop. <laughs> simply, simply stop. Now you can see what's happening You've here. You just described how you were playing with yourself. With myself. In front of everybody. In and they're front probably of just trying everyone. to have a conversation about what yep. book they're reading. Yep. And you've just come in and done this. Yep. Yep. Wretched, isn't it? Utterly. <laughs> and I, I think what I've done here is I've opened, not multiple tabs, you can't do that, but I've logged in uh, somehow. I must have had separate browser windows. I was windows. wondering, yeah, if you were doing it under separate accounts or if it was yeah. all just Dave Boomer and you were writing in different coloured fonts or something. Well, there was no accounts in those days, so you didn't log in and have everything saved. So you had to type your name in on login. So, like, you can just be anyone. So I'm, uh, Well, I'm, sure, yeah. I'm just logging in in separate time. I might even have been logging out and in again to do every action. Because you didn't have tabs back in those days. Those were new. Anyway, got four emails about... Uh, Stopping it. Just got four emails <laughs> from the rest of the chat room going, Stop it, Dave. <laughs> I got emails about End of Mobius. All good. Drew oh, and they okay. also went, Stop it. Stop it, Dave. Drew and OK Metal Axe. And a good Sting the Black Knuckles. Sunday the 6th. Well, Sting the Black Knuckles was already in play. Mm. But here is evidence of what was going on in the non-Dave world of, of online Sonic RP at the time. Because on Sunday the 6th... Tiara, brackets, was it Tiara or was it Sabrina, was a purple fox today. That was because in her former hedgehog form, she stabbed herself. Well, she invented a permanent healing potion, but it went wrong and now she's a fox. Of course. Uh, Jessup Knox was in yesterday who claimed to be a different person to Jessie Knuckles, but I bet it was her. She used to be Jessie Echidna until she decided she was in love with Knuckles and became Jessie Knuckles. <laughs> Just please stop! I can't! I wasn't there 30 years ago. I don't want to be here now. Yeah, we, we will end there, but you are having this closing sentence because I love it. Although, she might want to be more than friends with Omni because she asked his permission when Supersonic wanted to kiss her <laughs> it's kids we're all just playing at being sonic it's a playground games of sonic but it's done on not the screen. though is it it is you are 15 yeah and we That's missed not the playground, playground That's games the you're not playground games anything you just said someone asked someone's permission to kiss someone mm. what the hell is that even it's advanced playground it's hormonal teenagers who are like wait a minute we can we can act out our weird feelings deepest as if fantasies. it was the playground yeah Anyway, uh, Monday the 7th, back to school. So hopefully there'll be a drop-off oh, of this God, nonsense. There'll be a drop-off, yes. <laughs> Can't be on the computer 24 hours a day. Finally finished End of Mobius Part 2, and I sent it to Flare, and Flash, and Scorch, and Jess, and Chibi, and Knack, and Miss Sonic, and Sabrina, and Foxtails. <laughs> so that's being disseminated now among the malleable minds of the Sonic chat room. The Illuminati of the early mm. Sonic internet. Wednesday the 9th. Things to include on my STC website. Oh, he's got plans, this one. Got plans. I've never established at any point that I want to make an STC website, but I guess it's taken as red. Of course I do. Of course I do. Sure. And this is it. This is what I made eventually. You know what I mean? We're doing it now. Yeah. So these are the things I wanted to include. Type up all stories. Okay, that's a lot of work, but all right. I don't have any sense of having limited time at this stage. I just think I can do anything I want. Sure, sure. A dictionary, or a glossary of terms, I guess I mean. Mm -hmm. A timeline, overall view of the whole thing, I guess. Uh, profiles. Character profiles, yes. yes. 
and uh, history. And I don't know how that differs from timeline, uh, but those all come under the... Uh, what do you call that thing where you draw a bracket with a little point in the middle of it? To, to lump things together. No idea. But One uh, of them. Curly bracket. A curly bracket. Those are all listed under curly bracket encyclopedia. Uh-huh. Uh, and then it says the next one. Scripts for one's eye lengthened. I guess I'm going to make longer Your versions of STC stories. Oh, yeah. Uh, art page. Interviews. Uh, mm. I don't think I mean with the, the crew of STC. I think I mean in character. Uh, an interview oh, with Knuckles and stuff. That's unfortunate. Yes. And mail a character. An idea that I had on Sunday where people would mail me addressing an STC character and then I email them back as that character. I mean, uh, that's just a prototypical version of the Sonic Twitter takeover videos, isn't it? You know, you're a man ahead of your time. Yeah, yeah. All letters pages and Robotnik's secret files access data from Robotnik's mainframe. <laughs> Badnik profiles, I guess. Yeah. Did you did you ever make any of that? No! <laughs> so, no, no, I was curious. I mean, my the first website, it's it, it's as you say, uh-huh. you take it as read that you wanted to make it. Yeah. It's the same deal. It's like the first website I ever made was uh, for the Marvel comic Slingers, mm-hmm. which lasted 12 issues. Never heard of it. Exactly. Of course you haven't. Nobody has. It lasted 12 issues in, I guess, 1998, mm-hmm. maybe 99. And I decided to do that because I was reading it at the time. <laughs> yep. And I was just enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's what you did. If there was something you liked. Yeah, uh, but I did make that website. Oh, well done. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I never found out how. Angel Fire, baby. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Learned a little bit of HTML and away I went. <laughs> oh. Then I did eventually do my, my Digimon website, but that was in, I guess, 2000. Yeah, 2000 sounds about right. 2000, 2001, maybe. Which was, well, it's exactly what you've just described, but for Digimon, um, yeah. without all the f- dork scum stuff in there about oh, I'm sure, <laughs> pretending I'm sure, to be yeah. characters. <laughs> there was no dork scum stuff on mine. New, just new, like, new. you know, sexy pictures I drew of yeah. the hot ladies from Digimon, <laughs> comedy stories. <laughs> Stories that made fun of everything. Mm, yeah. A full and detailed encyclopedia. But no. No dork scum stuff at no. all. No. Certainly not. I tell you what, though, I bet there was a character profile or two on there. It was an encyclopedia, so every character <laughs> had a full detailed entry. Of course they did. Got all the way through series one and series two and series three, but I stalled out part way through series four because that was many years later and I had a job. Yes. <laughs> Friday the 11th. Finished. End of Mobius 3. Haven't given it to anyone yet. Um, it rules. <laughs> Robotnik actually gets roboticized, but being self-aware, he loves it. Remember that bit? I do remember that bit. That was quite a good bit. That was when Porker punched him. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. That wasn't the good bit about it. The good bit was when Porker hauled off and just beat his ass. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Found out that in Archie, Knuckles' neck ring is instead a stripe of white quills to show that he's a guardian. I didn't know Archie had so clearly established that. Well, I will have found this out from fans, so they may have just made it up. But yeah. Well, no, but it's true. It's, you know, in, in, it's not even an Archie thing in Japanese lore. Mm. I mean, it does. it's stupid because it doesn't look like anything. It's like Sonic has a... Big tumalum. He just has his big tum tum, <laughs> but he just has that, and that's what he has. And you know they come out with that <laughs> about how Sonic's circular stomach is the sun, so Knuckles has a little moon around his neck, and it's like what? No, 
yes, absolute 100% true. That is a genuine Japanese trivia factoid, alleged intended character design point. I'll completely agree that, I, I mean, I, I do believe that the moon thing is because of those bears. Like, they do that. There's a Pokemon with that, isn't there? Mm. Those, you know, those Japanese bears that have got the Knuckles moon mm. on them. Um, I can believe that. But Sonic's tummy was never the sun. Don't be silly. Well, I'm just, I'm just reciting. Yeah. I know, he yeah. had a crescent. I'm not attacking you. I'm not shooting the messenger. So I know, but, but it feels like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. No, and it's like, it doesn't, but like, why would any kind of chest or stomach? Because all Sonic, that thing on Sonic's stomach is just the differently colored underbelly of the animal. Of an animal. Is. That's why yeah. it's there. Doesn't make any sense that Knuckles would have a differently coloured underbelly that would be entirely confined to a small moon shape at the base of his neck. But uh, I may be ranting. <laughs> yeah. Monday the 14th, finished part four of The End of Mobius. Good Minus. God, you are pounding these out. I know. No wonder they're so bad. <laughs> I'm sailing through them, aren't I? Because I'm so excited. You smashed this out in a way. The way the let. I'm, I'm, I'm vaguely affronted, honestly. The way the legend of the creation of this story was recounted and recounted in the two years, I will remind you, that I had to listen to you read this story out. And about how you, you wrote it whenever three years earlier and then you redrafted it and rebuilt it. And it turns out you banged it out in a week. And I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely a little furious. <laughs> well, so what it'll have been is 94 written on paper, 94 written on Amiga, 97 Amiga disc copied across and brought up and just like rewritten because it was all badly formatted and I couldn't just copy paste. So I had to type it again. Sure, but we know from looking back that it was completely restructured for this 1997 retelling. Yeah, I think so, Stuff yeah. Stuff that you talk about being in the early parts of the story, and yeah. I can't remember if it was in past diary zones or if mm. it was on the Patreon at this point. The order was wholly different. There were ideas mm. that didn't come in till the last part right, yeah. of the finished version that were in play from very early on in yeah. the previous draft. It's weird, isn't it? That, that you would redraft what I will for this moment and for this example call a novel. And in the redraft, something that you'd seeded throughout the story, you'd just make it look as if you made it up at the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, we do always have to remember that a solid quarter of the finished thing is just made up a kid in a that you yes. had to stick in for this RP group. Yeah, and that was definitely made up now because we're seeing it yes. play out here. <laughs> so... Finished part four of Endomobius, minus the end message, you know, the sign-off. It was amazing! The final showdown between Sonic and Robotnik, just how it was all those years ago when Robotnik had just changed. <laughs> Apparently I saw that as a full circle, Sonic versus Robotnik on their own against each other, finally, again. Found my book containing the original parts two and four. So I've got part one, I know where parts five and six are, but I know nothing of part three, nor do I remember what it was written in or what happened in it. There's a lost oh, chapter! There's a lost <laughs> chapter of, of, of the End of Mobius. <laughs> oh, well. For the original draft process with the friend where you're going back yeah. and forth and putting yeah. them in worse and worse situations. Yeah. Well, no wonder it feels like there's a whole big middle chunk out of the finished story <laughs> missing where everything stops and then resets to zero. <laughs> yeah. Because you oh. lost a third of the story. Oh, wow. Oh, it's starting to feel biblical, isn't it? The the apocryphal tomes. <laughs> the, the gospel of Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last entry then. Tuesday the 15th. 
Reasons I must finish The End of Mobius and Secrets, Secrets of, of Mobius. Mobius. Oh. I'm already writing secret or planning Secrets of Mobius. Oh, wouldn't we know this? Because it said at the start of Secrets of Mobius, I'm writing this in April 1997, which of course it is. Of course. I'm, I genuinely have to like quiet the rage in my heart to know that you <laughs> pounded that out in a week or two. Two years of my life. <laughs> yes. I believe Secrets of Mobius took longer. Mm. Reasons I must finish End of Mobius and Secrets of Mobius. One, so I can start my STC homepage with them. Two, so I can put pictures on the homepage. And three, so that I can get to writing the Sonic and Knuckles story onwards through the Chaotic story and Brutus and Metallics and Supersonic. I'm just going to be hammering out all those stories. The greatest hits of STC, essentially, is what you've just listed off there. Absolutely. Up to the present day, because, you know, uh, this issue now will have just come out. Do you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that I'm doing this. I think I'm getting into all this Sonic stuff online because of issue 100. I think that has inspired me to really get into Sonic again, you know. Yeah, I could believe it, yeah. I'm going on there and typing, looking for resources. Of course, it doesn't hurt that, obviously, you just got the internet also. Well, yes. Um, I think I, I think it was always inevitable I would have looked for Sonic stuff straight away, but mm-hmm. the fact is, I, I was on Coincided Worms with you yeah. having issue 100 in the same way that me getting the internet coincided with me just enjoying that Marvel comic Slingers. Yeah, exactly. And look at us now, doing a <laughs> Sonic podcast, and that's the first time I've thought about Slingers in five years or so. Decap <laughs> <laughs> Attack Walls Rose. Written by Nigel Kitching and Richard Rayner, art by Mick McMahon, and letters by Ellie DeVille. Professor Stein has been won over by the Thin Controller's affections, and the happy couple return from hell to live in Stein's castle. However, while Igor and Chuck contend with the demons intent on remodeling the place, the Controller discovers that the Professor's whole green hair, German accent, mad scientist thing is fake. So she promptly calls off the engagement and leaves the half-demolished castle to tumble down around the decapper's ears. Something I really like about this is that in episode 99, we were saying that, like, the whole Hell story could technically have stopped there, but we know that it's going to pick up again. Yeah. And now, when we pick up, it's perfectly attuned to be the thing with a gap. Yes, a little time skip. A little time skip. This kind of is the end of the story we left on before the episode 100 bonanza. But also, it's kind of a new story, and it's it's it's, it's dead goodness. Yeah, it's good fun. Love decap. Igor, uh, Igor wearing a big trench coat now instead yes. of just sort of being a sphere man <laughs> with little arms and legs sticking out, which is how he's been drawn before. He's really like, we're going to go and rescue the professor from hell. He's entrapped in hell with a lovesick demon woman. We must rescue him, mainly because he's the one who pays more wages. Oh, is that what it is? He's put his coat on because he's going out to hell. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I don't know whether Nigel does this. Maybe he does, but I've never noticed it as strong as this. In the first panel, look at those lovely loops of bandage around Chuck's shoulders. Yes, he's definitely always had sort of shoulder pad bandages. Yeah. But they're big looping things up and high away from his shoulder now yeah like big epaulets yeah they're really good he's watching the chimpsons on tv like the simpsons but presumably, presumably they're monkeys, monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah as soon as igor says that uh, professor stein comes smashing through the door the door bursts open i have returned with his arm wrapped around the thin controller he's now yes. mad for her 
I'm showing my bride to be her new home. We are to be married! Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> you can't bring a demon from hell to live in the castle. The neighbours would never stand for it. And what ensues then is this interior designer demon. Ricardo, his name is. Has a lackey with a hammer. And he just sets about knocking all the walls through. Oh, but <laughs> we weren't quite up to changing rooms in Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen No, yet, this is... We? I don't know. It came as a surprise this wasn't a Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen, but probably not quite. It's a little early. Unless we were. Wait a minute. Okay, check the dates. Check out. the dates. <laughs> we were... <laughs> 1996. <laughs> oh, well, but, but it still doesn't necessarily feel like a Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen riff. I, I mean, what we really have here is just an extremely swishy demon who comes in as a, I love the stone floor, but those curtains have got to go. And this other little demon, he's not that little, but he feels like he's a kind of, he's a very much a right boss sort of yeah. character popping up from behind to affirm what Ricardo has said. You're so right, Ricardo, as always. Hammer. <laughs> oh, this is also 15th century. I see light, I see space. And Chuck goes, you'll see stars in a minute, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. And then there's, there's one where he just strikes the most dramatic pose imaginable. <laughs> Swoons, hand to the forehead as he points behind him. Oh, give me room to breathe, Bernard. Remove that ugly, outdated wall. Oh, yes, such vision, you're a genius. <laughs> <laughs> and talking about the, the most extreme poses ever, this guy does the most extreme swinging back of the hammer to be about to hit the wall. <laughs> and Clark's <laughs> duck on the head. In the head. <laughs> and he smashed the wall in. He said, what he says, when he, Ricardo was finished, you won't recognise the place. Oh, believe me, that's a supporting wall, you pillock. <laughs> Then he smashes up the wall, and then just in the background, he's just doing stuff. Might as well do this wall too. <laughs> <laughs> he's just knocking the castle down. It's really good. And then, and then the best gag of the whole strip. Yeah, <laughs> we need somewhere to keep tormented souls. Do you have fiery pits? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I ran out of deodorant. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey. Oh. And then we get. Uh, <laughs> she finds the thin controller. Finds a photo of a little, a little sweet choir boy with little penfold glasses and curly blonde hair. And that is the professor when he was in the Midlamorgan Boys Choir before he started dyeing his hair green and doing the accents, which are the things it turns out the thin controller likes about him anyway. <laughs> um, where is Glamorgan? It's in South Wales. Because we did know Professor came from Wales. But but also, do you remember, Nanny poisoned half the mid-Glamorgan light operatic society. Yeah, there's... <laughs> all I know is that there is a West Glamorgan. This says mid-Glamorgan. I don't know if there's a mid-Glamorgan in real life. I'll just find out now... There is a mid Glamorgan. It's a preserved county of Wales, whatever that means. They put a load of vinegar all over it. I love this panel where she is in the background. Having learned this, she rolls her sleeve up and goes, I've been betrayed! And she marches towards the professor, who is just <laughs> in the, taking up the full panel, just staring into space with the most stupefied <laughs> grin on his it's face. I love totally it. Totally serene and elsewhere, isn't he? He's, he is not. <laughs> here whatever is going on and she just punches him says he's lied to her can't marry an ex-choir boy what would daddy say you see i th i don't know about that i think that would be the perfect way for a hell demon to rebel against daddy well she obviously doesn't feel the need to rebel clearly not <laughs> Then they leave anyway, and we see that the entire... Oh my god, the reveal of the castle, it got a... <laughs> I had decided, I had opted once again to read this in a public place. I had taken it with me to the cafe, and I was reading it, 
And I, I did a full-on laugh out loud in public when I saw this. Where we, it is revealed, as we pull out in the first panel of the last page, that all the walls of the lowest level of the castle have been knocked out, and the entire castle is held up by one single central stone pillar. It's absolutely brilliant. The only thing left standing is great. It's just a big, wide castle wobbling on a stick, with this gap between it and the floor. It's brilliant. And then, of course, <laughs> of course, Chuck leans on the pillar, <laughs> and the castle collapses around everybody. Yeah, and it's a, so. And Mick hasn't just drawn that he leans on it and the pillar falls over. It's like the piece he's leaning on comes out like a just very neatly. It, yeah, that one stone shoots like out. a Jenga block. Yes, and then the whole thing is just going to fall down. What conceivably, if it falls down correctly, it could just go one down and they'd be fine. But no, it collapses entirely. McMahon art, though, just oh. tremendous as ever. It, Every line, uh, a painting. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love the thin controller's design because mm. there's absolutely no compulsion to make her attractive. Yes, I know. I was thinking that. Yeah, she isn't hot. She's got the head of a camel when you see it from yeah, the side. She, she has a very horse-like or animal-like yeah. skull. Yeah, yeah. She's alright. She's got a perfectly normal person's body, but there's yeah, there's no attempt at doing a hot demon lady. Here. No, it's not even yeah. like a, an ugly head on a hot bod or anything. It is no. It's just you know. It's just a humanoid figure, and yeah. it's that really sells the joke. The prof is made up about this babe who likes him. He was horrified at the when we last saw him, but whatever's <laughs> happened in between times, he's really been won over. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> I half returned, arm around her, arm swung wide. He's loving it. Yeah. Feel a little sorry for him, honestly. I know, yeah, <laughs> because it's that one panel where he's just like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it doesn't work in an audio medium. You simply have to go and look this one particular strip up. Yeah. He's just, he's like looking around at the whole castle being demolished and it's like... He's seeing his new life oh, begin and he loves it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vass? After she punches him <laughs> in the face. But, but, but... Oh, I was so distracted by the castle reveal panel that I didn't spot Igor's brilliant big round face on the next panel. Look at that! <laughs> Look how good that Don't is! Don't lean on the... That's really funny. And that's... That's it. That Next that? issue, Life with the Snagsbees, question mark. No the Snagsbees. Don't know. Do not know. Well, presumably, and I'm purely guessing here, the castle has been demolished, so maybe they got to go and move oh. in with the neighbours. Yes! Oh, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> and the Snagsbees will probably just be a nice, very ordinary couple. Yeah. That's going to be some full-on Adams Family stuff where it's the local mm. conservatives are weirded out by them. Yeah, we are very sorry for the imposition. <laughs> but would you mind putting us up for a couple of weeks? You know, something like that. Yeah. That's just, it's just jokes, Tim. Refuse Sonic 3D Flicky's Island, now on the Saturn. Again. Absolutely. You would think they would find something new and or different to say about it. Yeah, but I love this. <laughs> I like this. It starts, stand by <laughs> for the beginning of yet another Games War. Sonic 3D Flicky's Island is being launched two weeks before that crafty plumber debuts with his new 3D game. Indeed, it may have inspired Sega to be... Oh, I... uh -huh. it's going to be a Games War, is it? <laughs> Who will win? <laughs> I think even you and I, the most dedicated <laughs> boosters of Sonic 3D, <laughs> yeah. could not call this a close race. <laughs> any kind of war. No, you know, bit of a slap with a wet fish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just... But then otherwise, it's, uh, I, I had, because once again, they use that phrase, Chris Jones uh -huh. did this review, uses that phrase once again that says the flickies are the rabbits and birds. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, which yeah, which we recognised from the last review. Had to crack out the previous review just, just to, to make see. sure this wasn't reprinted wholesale. Uh, but no, we basically just snatched a few choice phrases out of the old review, rewrote well, them slightly, and uh, and he's done a boner. Is what he's done. What do you do to a boner in the old days? Do you do you drop a boner? I know what I do to a boner these days. Sure, but yeah. I am forty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now he's dropped a clanger anyway. I believe you make one. That's <laughs> what you were looking for there. Right. Because uh, he's ended up using the development zone name again. Yes, no mountain. Snow That's mountain what I'm saying. He just Doesn't, picked a, not, snatched a not few real. sentences out of the previous yeah. review and rewrote them slightly. Now I like, as we've established, I like Sonic 3D. But something about this whole review sat wrong with me. It's, it's like they're playing it up so far that they're almost lying about it. So <laughs> yes. Tails and Knuckles are in it, but not the way you want. How does he describe it here? He's like... All the classic features from Sonic's yeah. adventures are packed into this game. Rings, secret bonus levels, Tails and Knuckles, and the end of level bosses. Yeah. Right on. And that's the end of the review. And then there's this bit. The three-dimensional gameplay means Sonic can move left and right and into the foreground or background. The whole screen is your playground and can be explored. Yes, technically, that's all true. But... Not in the like in Mario 64 way that's no. being implied by this, by this. I don't expect Sonic the Comic, an official Sega product, to explicitly admit that this game only exists on the Saturn to plug the hole left by the failure to even leave the dev kits of the actual 3D <laughs> Sonic that was meant to go up against Mario 64. But this just feels a bit like complicitness in the slightly ugly fib that Saturn Sonic 3D sort of was-ish. Get a load of, get a load of, get a load of the kerning on the cover image they <laughs> yeah. have there. Sonic 3D, flicky, silent. What the f***? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? This is it. So this is what appears to be a, a scan of the cover of the game. You've got, it's the black background, Sonic 3D, the Sonic 3D logo, Sega Saturn down the left, and then under it, F-L-I-C-K-I-E space S apostrophe island. That is really weird. Uh, yeah, I can see from some images in a quick Google search here that the finished product has the kerning fixed. <laughs> yeah, good. Wow. Flicky. Silent, you know. <laughs> silent. Silent. Flicky. Silent. silent. I mean, it, it's there's nothing to this. On yeah. I do appreciate that the one screenshot they have is of the new special stage. To oh, yeah, that's true. The one thing that's actually Very different relevant, about yeah. the game. So, so fair play yeah. there. And of course, they do mention the new CD quality soundtrack that's been oh. put in. It, and they say it's got Sonic can do his stuff Air quotes To dance orchestral or jazz funk music So that's true as mm. well They've mentioned the important thing Raves Let's go supersonic Well he's not in it Graves May not have all heads in a spin So the raves are Sonic And the bad bits are not everyone like it Yeah Come on like They're not even trying anymore no. This is the no. dying I believe this may be the penultimate review zone Oh really Mm. Oh. I mean, it doesn't help that it's a game he's literally reviewed before and go. maybe hasn't even played. <laughs> Very possibly. I kind of get is. the sense maybe he hasn't even played this because it is the same game with a different special stage. Yeah. I've never played the Saturn version, but that's because I don't no. own a Saturn, but. Uh... No. And it's very obviously the same game, but just with a bit of bit polish, mist effect put on it, yeah. And it's got the wrong music, so I actively don't want to play it. Ah. Uh... <laughs> Sonic's World Invasion of the Vegheads Part 1 Written by Lou Stringer, art by Andy Pritchett and letters by Ellie DeVille 
Sightings of Strange Creatures in the Night brings supernatural investigator Harry Mole to the Plowrite Zone, where it turns out a crop of bizarre gigantic vegetables growing on a farm have come to life. Sonic shows up to save Mole from the vicious veg heads, but is then taken prisoner himself by their leader, King Edward. Like the potato. Do you know what? I actually enjoyed this. Yes, I like this Against one. my better judgment, I really Why? did wind up enjoying this one. I've just always remembered this as the point where I was like, what uh-huh. is this crap? <laughs> Why is Sonic fighting mutant vegetables? Mm. This is some sub-adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Deke children's cartoon churned out rubbish as a concept. But what can I tell you? I sat down and I actually read it here for this and I was like, oh, Actually, no, this is quite fun, isn't it? It is quite fun, yeah. We open on the Plowright Zone, agricultural land of Planet Mobius, located near the now disused chemical plant zone. Mm. So, we immediately know why the vegetables have mutated into (laughs) gigantic animate talking forms. Uh, This this particular part of the story does not reveal it, but come on. There's no reason to mention it's near the chemical plant zone otherwise. But we meet... Farmer Nige, proudly admiring his vegetable crop. Yes. And we wouldn't have thought anything of it in the moment, yes. except following our interview with Nigel Kitching for last episode, uh, we discovered Nigel Kitching grew up on a farm. Yes. We so think Luke Stringer might have been making a little reference. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Who are? I don't know what I've been doing this year, but I've been doing it right. Them's the biggest veg I've ever grown. Maybe it's just because I've stopped taking in young children's entertainment from the UK, but I don't see enough farmer voice about these days. <laughs> it's the time of the year to be mock spreading the grounds good and clear ready for mock spreading how I love chucking the muck about mock spreading oh ar, oh ar, oh ar. I just don't see as much of it as I used to, and I think that's a shame. Well, we're here with this to fill that hole in your life. Oh, ar. Oh, ar, oh, ar, oh, ar. Oh, ar, oh, ar, oh, ar. We be in for a fair old chance of winning a prize for the size of me onions this harvest. harvest. Careful now, don't go too far into the piratey well, that's direction. It. Yes, listeners, farmer voice is indeed very similar to pirate voice. Do you know why? That's because it's West Country and there's West it, Country, but you, and then you can get on the boats and go off and be a pirate. That's why. Uh, you just gotta play it careful. You know, there's a very tremendous difference between oh, you don't know what I've been doing, but I've been doing it right. And there's a whole other kind of quantity you have to. Throw on top to get pirates out of it but if you lean into your arse too much that's where that way Louis madness doesn't it yeah madness that's where you madness. that's what you lean into with the farmers man and they they can still they still do say are oh are oh are that's right yeah but uh anyway <laughs> enough <laughs> of such nonsense so yeah then some uh some little baby sheep 
uh, see an evil onion or something prowl in the streets that <laughs> night. Yeah. We only see it in silhouette, and the implication is that it's yes. a grey alien, isn't it? Because yes. we just see its long fingers and its big oval head. And then the next morning, the sheeps, uh, their names are Wallace and Doris. <laughs> Actually, oh, I didn't. I, I've only just clocked it now. Oh, look at their eyes. <laughs> I've only just clocked it because they, they have these little black beady button Dot eyes, eyes yeah. whenever they peep out the window or maybe the door at night to and see the shadow and they scream. But then we cut to the panel of them the next morning with their huge glassy <laughs> stares. Traumatized they are, the winds. <laughs> My little lamb saw something last night, something weird. Rubbish, they're making it up. And then she goes, my Wallace and Doris don't tell fibs. And the guy who's accused her of making it up, his hat flies <laughs> off his head. A wonderful illustration yeah. by Andy Pritchett. No need for motion lines or anything. You really yeah. feel the force of her. Yeah, yeah. As it blows the hat off his you head. You see now... All right, keep your fleece on. Now, Andy Pritchett's art style is what I think we would once have thought of as a bit too cuddly mm. for Sonic and part of the uh, the oncoming kiddification of parts of the comic. Yes. But um, look at it, though. <laughs> it's great, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I know. Sometimes it just, just, it is just lovely to it's look lovely. at. Look at this mole! That, that, this is it. Then we meet <laughs> Harry Mole, special agent for Ooer. <laughs> Ooer! Outer Ordinary Event Research. <laughs> Because you've just done in the diary zone something a bit ooer, a bit ooer like it's yeah. so such a part of the lexicon, yeah. British children's comic lexicon. Ooer, yeah. <laughs> uh, Americans, okay. So ooer is what you say when you're puzzled or talking about something sexually rude that has happened. Those are the two <laughs> times. So if you're puzzled, you go ooer. And no, not puzzled. That's not quite right. Is it? Is it ooer? What's going on? Perturbed. Yeah. Uh, or if something rude happens, then it's. But because it is rude, you are perturbed by its rudeness. It is an expression of perturbedness. So, yeah, it was 1997. We were just off the back of Independence Day, which in and of itself was just off the back of the X-Files. We were flipping mad Mm. for paranormal government agencies and conspiracies and stuff at this point in time in the 1990s we were mad for it and after all of this goes on you know this mole shows up being an agent a load of big vegetables clamber up out of the ground and they've got evil faces they've got stalk arms and feet and things like this yeah and i was honestly by this point three four pages in I had enjoyed this strip so far, but I will admit to being surprised when television Sonic the Hedgehog appeared in it. It's a bit... Right, you, I was a little taken aback reading this strip to see we were three pages in and no Sonic yet. Yeah. Uh, and I was starting to wonder if... I was starting to wonder if he was even going to be in it. I'd forgotten him. I'd forgotten him. It genuinely came as a surprise to see him. It seemed incongruous. It was a, it being a Sonic's world yeah. strip. We haven't 100% fully morphed into Sonic's world just being the other Sonic strip yet. But this... This could be it now, really, couldn't it? Yeah. But I thought maybe this was just going to be a strip about the adventures of Harry Mole, mm. which I presume is just a hair, hairy mole. I guess. I don't know. Joke. Is there a Harry something else it, it, detective? Or... I mean, I immediately thought of Harry Lime from The Third Man, but that's oh. not... It I don't think so, no. I think, it, I think it's just hair, hairy mole. I guess. They're not very hairy, though, moles. No, no, but a mole, like, on your skin. Oh, oh, it's being British comics. Didn't think of it. Yes, 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 yes. I ain't seen no weird happenings, but I know some of my giant veg got stolen last night. Look. Are you sure? Well, they didn't just walk out of the field, did they? And then, boom. Hey, punchline. Yes, they did. They got arms and legs and that. 
And then, yeah, television Sonic the Hedgehog turns up. <laughs> he whooshes past them all and basically, you know, bowls them over like ten pin bowling pins. And uh, that means everybody can not be attacked by them, so that's good. And they're all just lying about on the floor now in a daze. That's them defeated, essentially, for now. But uh, Sonic's about to head off again. Mm. It's like he's knocked all the veg over and yes. he's like, yeah, well, all right, there you go then, see you later. They've and fallen over. Toss a coin. Harry, yeah, I know, right? Harry Moss says, don't go, we've got a mystery to solve. Sorry, dudes, if I hang around in one place for too long, I feel like I'm taking root. And these mm, roots burst good. up out of the ground. That's a good line, is it? Yeah. Although I maybe question Sonic's willingness to just bugger off. Um, it's a good enough setup. The payoff, the joke payoff is good enough, I'll allow it. Yeah, yeah. And then, and yeah, then, a, a huge potato with a crown bursts out of the ground. The potato king clambering out of the ground was really funny to me. I, I did laugh out loud again. I think it's because of his grouchy little face. That's yes. Like, it's not overstated in any way. His eyes are really close together and low down on his face. It's, just, it's really funny. Consider yourselves prisoners of King Edward, ruler on the vengeheads. Well, maybe I'll stay a while longer after all. <laughs> Next issue... <laughs> Salad days. Days. D-A-Z. Days like a dizzy bird's days. Like a salad, like a vegetables in a salad, like a bird's salad. Uh, yeah, I against my expectations and perhaps mm. my better judgment, I actually did wind up having a good few laughs at this one. Oh, that's good. I think part of it is how flipping adorable Harry Mole is. Yeah, I know. Look at him there when he's it, trying yeah. to run away from the veg heads and he goes, My stubby legs can't get me away fast enough. <laughs> yeah. He, readers, just picture literally Mole from the Cosgrove Wind Hall, Wind in the Willows, but dressed as a secret agent. It's brilliant. Dressed as Dick Tracy. Yeah. Yep. With his hat tucked down behind his little tiny glasses. Down behind his little pince-nez spectacles balanced perfectly on his snout because he's a mole and moles have poor eyesight. Therefore, Therefore all they have to cartoon have moles must wear glasses. glasses. It is the law. Yeah. yeah. If you don't <laughs> do it, you go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> a nice little rendition of Sonic from Pritchett as well. Mm. Yes. He's a little stubby. but cute. We like that, though, don't we, really? It depends. He doesn't look like a very fast-moving Sonic. No, he's got stubby little legs himself, hasn't he? Because the mole said, I've got stubby little legs, and then we see Sonic, who, by contrast, ought not to, but does. Weirdly, I've, yeah, I found myself looking forward to finding out whatever happens in, in the second half of this, whereas this before... Yeah. This, is, this is a strip that, in my head, I would have always considered emblematic of the kidified, silly direction, right. and this always lived in my mind. I, I, again, we all know I wasn't reading the comic, buying the comic at this point in my childhood, but I was still looking at it in the shop, and here we are post-issue 100, when it really feels like everything has ended, and one of the first things it serves up to me is, what if Sonic fought the veggie tails? <laughs> it's never lived in a good place in my memory, so I am quite pleased to have reread it, and actually have had quite a bit of fun with it. We'll see how the next one goes. <laughs> Skeleton Staff. Dear Megadroid, it may be a long time ago, but I'm still wondering what happened to Skull from Decap Attack back in STZ89. I, I suspect they've added it may be a long time ago. <laughs> I bet they wrote this at the time. Quite possibly. <laughs> one minute he was shoved into a van, and then he was back in the next issue without so much as a scratch. Why didn't the writer Nigel Kitching go on to explain how Skull was rescued? From Stephen Robertson, Law, Lanarkshire, Scotland. Sonic 2, Crucial Cup winner <laughs> and disappointed non-winner of Hogtag. They're really making that out that that's the actual name of the thing, <laughs> like a Crucial Cup. Yeah, it says it there again. Everything printed in speed lines mm -hmm. wins a Sonic 2, Crucial Cup. It's 1997, lads. Come yeah. 
Anyway, he's referring here back to the Pumpkinkins ah. uh, issue, isn't he? Where uh, Head gets accidentally bundled up with all the pumpkins that are taken away in the exterminator's van. Megadroid replies, Well, it just goes to prove, Stephen, how much Hume Kitching is a master of mystery and suspense. What an amazing excuse for anything. <laughs> well, they didn't <laughs> need to offer an excuse for anything. It was, I don't it was, think it was so, just no, a comedy but... beat the story ended on that the kid's taking too literally. I agree with that, but it, it but it is, though. If, if ever a writer does in fact leave a plot hole, you can just say, well, that just goes to show just how much show I'm a master, master of mystery, of mystery and, and suspense he is. <laughs> it's a little bit Robotnik's devious traps, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, good callback. Uh, Craig White from Glasgow in Scotland asks, Dear Megadroid, I think that the artist Farron Rodriguez, who paints the Badnik pinups, is excellent and was surprised that he didn't attend the UCAC convention in London. Also, I didn't go either, as I live too far away. <laughs> Megadroid explains, Unfortunately for STC, Craig Farron lives even further away than you do. Spain! Spain! But what about the other fine, talented creators who did attend? Ah, ah, those concerned make checks payable to Megadroid. <laughs> Snappy Tunes is the last one. Peter mm. Zojak from Tynan... What a name, Peter Zojak. Tynanweir uh, writes in to ask, since Chaotix... <laughs> Sorry, I'll just, he's the evil version of Kojak. <laughs> Zojak, Kojak's evil twin, Zojak. If you get him to say his name backwards, it banishes him to the fifth dimension. <laughs> since Chaotix crew member Rector has a personal stereo, <laughs> could you please tell me which music he's been playing during his recent adventures? Yes, <laughs> and Megadroid does not let him get away with that. Hymns, by the sound of things. <laughs> hymns, hymns like from a church, like because a church has a wreck. But I suspect that Vector has a soft spot for Jimmy Nail's crocodile shoes. That must have been in the charts at the time, mustn't it? Must have been. Otherwise, you'd say Crocodile Rock. Yes, that's the obvious one, isn't it? Hmm. But didn't they make that joke in the Knuckles special already? Oh. Something about hopping and bopping to the Crocodile yeah, Rock. They are. Yeah, they were. Right. Wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's right. Like a bird's church, by the way. A few pictures as well. We've got one from James Wallace. Presumably not that one. <laughs> Martin Adams. <laughs> yeah. No, I believe he's a Wallace with an IS, whereas this is a Wallace with a William. Oh, could be, yes. Uh, it's from Cheshire, and it says, well, it's cropped again. Both of these are cropped in criminal right. ways. Oh, yeah. It's a picture of Robotnik, and mm. there's some dirt flying at him. Yes. Somebody's kicking some dirt at Robotnik. Presumably Sonic. Yeah, it'll be that Sonic's doing a big run, and it's coming up. Uh, oh, maybe he could be throwing up some dirt Could be throwing it up, yeah. Uh, that's probably what it is. Sonic's doing a run. And he's throwing up dirt behind him, and Robotnik is chasing him with his arms out to try and catch him. That's what's happening here. But Sonic has been fully cropped off the picture, and it just (laughs) looks like a handful of dirt is flying towards Robotnik's face. And because the big thing that um, is written across the top of the image by James Wallace himself says, Eat dirt. Dirt. (laughs) D-U-R-T. No umlaut, but you want one. I'll bet it said, all the way across the picture, I'll bet it said, Eat dirt, Robotnik. I think it said, uh, because they've cropped it out after the dirt, so I think it said, Eat dirt, and that's why... (laughs) Like, that's why we don't get to see Sonic. 
And then uh, the next one is by James Davies from Swansea, Wales. Swansea is in West Glamorgan. Oh, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, this is uh, Starship Enterprise Oi for Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) It reads, uh, (laughs) no, it's uh, Vote for Sonic. And it's uh, not mentioned, but thematically tying in with the opening strip from this comic. I don't know why they didn't mention it. Chosen for that reason, presumably. Presumably. Yes, it's a big poster of Sonic. Looks adventures reference, doesn't it? It does, He's copied off a video or, or something. And it's a drawing of a Vote for Sonic poster up on a brick wall with a big red X painted mm. through it and the can of red paint just sitting just in the bottom left. And there is some more text written oh, below it. Oh, no. I didn't notice. Yes. Well, presumably, again, it's a picture of Robotnik uh-huh. having just painted yeah, a big be. red X across a Vote for Sonic poster. Yeah. But they've cropped that part of the picture out. Yeah, so we don't know what the lettering said, because it's just no. the top of some blobby... Is it even blobby? I mean, what would that last letter be? I can't uh, swear it's lettering, but I think it is. Well, it's something that would t- communicate more to What's us about the image, here, yes. anyway. Yeah. I don't know why the poster says number one on it. Because uh, he Sonic is number one. I suppose so. Uh, does this need to be explained, David? Well, it just it has the air of, you know, issue one. Issue one! Or, you know, vote for Sonic the Hedgehog number Sonic one. Sonic is number one, Dave. What do you not understand about Sonic is number yes. one? Uh, also, unfortunately, uh, the reason why the poster has been painted over is not because the person who painted it doesn't want you to vote for Sonic. It's because Sonic's taken his pants and trousers off. And <laughs> if it weren't for the red paint, you'd, you'd see his William Wallace. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, James Davies has mistakenly coloured Sonic's legs flesh-coloured instead of blue. Yes, quite, quite a, a, a ruddy pink, in fact. <laughs> so this we actually what this gorged is pink. is it's Sonic it's Sonic streaking and that's why he's having such a big laugh look at his big smile on his face blue streak speeds <laughs> by <Yeah. laughs> anything in our real bag to Ooh. add a bit of culture and class to the joint after that one it's your letters it's your letters it's your letters it's your letters we have some letters in our mailbag, and if you'd like your letters to be in our mailbag, then you can send them to stctpodcast at gmail.com. Send us letters, send us pictures, send us videos, send us audios, whatever you want to send us. And this is from Cole, who says, Dear STCTP, and this is titled, An Artist. Oh. I think I might be the furthest thing from your target demographic, as I am both young, born in 2006. You're a baby. You're an infant. You're a fetus. And American. Young and American. And the two things I always group together is the, <laughs> the enemies of STC. Young people and Americans. Enemy of the podcast, Cole writes. <laughs> I never... No, we like you, Cole. You're too young to... It, Cole's too young. We shouldn't say rude things like that. Well, hold on. We haven't finished reading out his letter yet. Let's just see. <laughs> okay, sure. But I don't want to bully a child. Wait, how long ago was 2006, actually? 16 years, 17 years. That's okay. still a, a very definite child. Okay. I never heard of Sonic the Comic until three to four years ago. I had just discovered the Sonic archives from Archie and was reading through their backlog, so I simply dismissed Barely it. learned to read by that point I know, in your life. Can you you imagine? little baby. I know. <laughs> um, so I dismissed it as a strange European thing and moved on. It wasn't until late 2020, when I finished Sonic Mania, that I discovered your podcast. Oh, I like that as a funnel through to us. People getting into proper Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> 
Since I had mostly given up on Archie, i.e. I learned about Ken Penders, I thought thought I'd give it a try as I was starved for Sonic content. I listened to a couple of episodes, but unfortunately dropped it as I didn't have the time. (laughs) Understandable, we barely do. (laughs) I rediscovered your podcast in 2022 and I've been hooked since. I still considered STC inferior to Archie until the Sonic CD adaptation and the Sonic 3 adaptation. While Archie gave both games adaptations the sonic 3 one was very disappointing the sonic cd adaptation also on issue 25 funnily enough was pretty good though no i disagree (laughs) (laughs) no you've been on an entire separate podcast arguing how that is inaccurate i have yes the hill is always greener podcast uh we discussed all three sonic cd adaptations and uh no, the Archie one, it's all right, but it's just... Because it's the kind of one of the first times they had quite good art in it, but it's it's just a story about Sonic and Metal Sonic and everything else is nonsense. There's no time travel in it. Sally is referring to one of the action zones that appear in the Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> games. Uh, anyway... Those two stories finally made me realise that STC was truly superior to Archie. It's not even close. Yay, now you're talking, yes. Right. The kids are and all now, right. Friend of the podcast, Cole. <laughs> I also enjoyed the look back into the 90s each episode brings. I can relate to your stories about having to be a secret Sonic fan, since Sonic was and is uncool with most people my age. Yes, well, it was bad around that time, you see. That's the thing. <laughs> it's funny and somewhat ironic that I can relate to two old British dudes I never met better than I can with most people my age. <laughs> I am currently on episode 67, so I... W- Wait a minute! Old British dudes! <laughs> <laughs> Came screeching to a halt there. We are more than twice his age, Dave. Yeah. I am currently on episode... uh, Did you just do some maths? Well done. (laughs) I'm currently on episode 67, so I won't know if you get this until I catch up. Sorry for the super long paragraph. This is my first time doing something like this. Thanks for all the wonderful episodes. Sincerely, Cole. Thank you for your letter, Cole. It is good to know that the kids are all right. Here is one called Discovering STC and Data Strips. Dear Dave and Chris, I've been listening to your podcast since it first started over three years ago. I follow Dave on YouTube and Twitter, which is how I first found out. The podcast exceeded my expectations, based on my disappointing content on YouTube and Twitter, (laughs) and every episode brings me such joy, not only because of the detail of one of my favourite comics growing up, but also what niche 90s advert or toy will come out of it. I swear that is one of my favourite things about this at this point, you know, when we're so used to the strips and everything. Whenever I don't get a new ad, I'm sad. I know. Um, I got overexcited when Dave mentioned Rex the Runt in passing, as no one else hey, I know ever talks Rex about the it. Runt, Rex, Rex the, the Runt! Rex the Runt! It's time for a doggy dialogue! Rex the Runt! Rex the Runt! It's time for a doggy dialogue! Rex the Runt! Rex the Runt! A wobbly bubbly, dribbly, squiggly dog! A wobbly bubbly, dribbly, squiggly dog! I remember Rex the Runt. I wanted to write in about my experience and ask you both the same question. I was late to the Sonic the Comic Party and my first issue was number 49. Oh, not that late then. There are people who are later. We've had guests on who didn't come in until after this. I remember being in Safeways with my mum and sometimes while she was finishing the last bits of shopping, I would go and look at the big magazine section they had. There I came across the cover of issue 49 of Sonic the Comic with Captain Plunder staring at me. Oh yes, that's when he's going, ah, chained up in prison. But Sonic's winking face was there. I opened up and saw, yes, it was a comic about Sonic. I asked my mum if I could have it and got it. So happy I found a comic about a game character I was obsessed about. 
well, not that obsessed if this was the first time you ever saw something. You've never heard of it. (laughs) One of the reasons I think I loved it was because I discovered it myself. Previously, I'd only read the Beano, which was introduced to me by my parents. Mm, I think there's something special when you discover something yourself, something you attach yourself to that represents you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Chris, who's still here because a prompt at the end of that letter didn't send us spiralling into a conversation and Googling session where we completely forgot we were covering the mailbag instead of just having a nerdy conversation. Uh, Why don't you remind listeners that if they want their letter or similar to appear in our mailbag, then they should send them to stctpodcast at gmail.com. Chris. Chris. No? No? No, Suit yourself. I think that brings us to the end of this issue. So we'll flip back a couple of pages and look at what's coming next issue. Now this is how you do a next issue page. Hell yes. Full page of art, baby. Next issue, Supersonic's back. Oh, and it's a picture of Supersonic's back. Yes, do you get, get it? it? Like a bird's back. Supersonic is walking away from us down a... And it's a it's a kitchen, right? Ah, uh, yes, looks like a kitchen to me. And it's he's walking away from us, casting a huge, big, spiky shadow on the floor, down a sort of a... Well, there's a... It's not, but there's a sort of western look to it, isn't there? Oh, well, that's the colour. It's the, the colour scheme. Sunset colours, yeah. yeah. But he's walking down a city street and there's all buildings either side. Yes. Wouldn't be surprised to find out that this is the final panel yes. of next issue's story, yes. <laughs> as he presumably as he leaves that nice old lady who brought him in uh, in in last issue. But that's one of three new complete stories. The others being Sonic, Unnatural Disasters, Decap, Life with the Snagsbees, plus Sonic's World, Invasion of the Vengeheads, and oh, Super Sonic pinup. Okay, Ooh, I will look forward to seeing that. I wonder yeah, if it's going to be that yeah. that picture of him blasting out of the meteorite. That would be a good poster. Oh, that would be a good pinup, but I don't know. STC 102 on sale Wednesday, the 16th of April, 1997, at the price of £1.25. And when you're looking for that issue and all the other issues to come, you can find the most places good podcasts are available, but you can also download it directly a little bit earlier Mm. from our website, stctp.zone. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Sonic Podcast, and we're on there separately. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. I am at Chris McFeely, and both on YouTube under those names as well. You can also support the show by going to our Patreon yes. at patreon.com forward slash stctp, where a donation of any amount gets you access to the bonus videos we produce, looking at the Martin Adams Sonic novels and Dave's dreadful little fan fiction that, if you haven't been a member of Patreon, you've certainly been hearing a lot more <laughs> about in the last episode or two through the Diary Zone. We do those as live streams every other Thursday, so come along and join the fun. Yes, and in the meantime, we do have a Discord, and you've got to come and hang out with everybody there as well. Go and look at our Twitter for a link to that, you'll find it, and our website is on there as well, which is stctp.zone, we repeat. Our theme song is Synchronized by Sonic the Comic the Band, who you all know a little bit better now. (laughs) But we have been Sonic the Comic the Podcast, and we will see you next time. time.